Greetings, Merry Christmas, Mulikhana, Feliz Navidad, Fruha Weihnachten, Happy Hanukkah, Habari Gani, and indeed, best wishes to you and yours in whatever way you celebrate. Rob here from the All-Star Superfan Podcast, and I want to start this episode with a little apology. Uh, so if you're wondering while you're listening why I suddenly sound like this instead, instead of like this... Uh, it's because I completely messed up with my mic on this episode and I had it set to the wrong input. Not going to bore you with the technical difficulties. Alan, who edited the episode, did his absolute best to try and salvage uh, the shit show of my audio. But unfortunately, it, it does not sound great. But it's still a kick-ass episode. Lots of fun. We hope you enjoy it. And I promise next time I'll be silky smooth the whole way through. Uh, also, on, on a lighter note, I both myself and Alan would like to apologize for not giving an honorable mention to Muppets Christmas Carol, which is obviously one of our favorite Christmas movies as well. Uh, but we, we discuss uh, other Christmas movies we really, really love, as well as one in particular, that is basically a Superman movie. Check it out. Now someone wants to take the magic out of Christmas. We say, bigger, better, it's gonna cost you. Cost? Cost who? Uh, the people who, who buy the toy. For nothing, we're gonna give them away free. For free? Well, that's how we do it at the North Pole. Well, that's not how we do it here. Santa Claus is finished. Only one man can help us, and he's coming to take you for a sleigh ride in the stars. <laughs> Alexander Salkine presents Dudley Moore and John Lithgow. The legend comes to life for the very first time. With all the magic, all the adventure, all the wonder. Santa Claus, the movie. Seeing is believing. We talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. Hello and welcome to All Star Superfan Podcast's third annual holiday special. I'm Alan Burke and I am joined on this festive sleigh ride of childlike wonder by Ireland's own Clark Griswold, Mr. Rob O'Connor. Merry Christmas to you, sir. Yo! And that will make a lot more sense later on in the show. We discussed in last year's holiday special how you hadn't watched Christmas Vacation yet and you promised me you were going to rectify it and I listened to that episode and it reminded me that you promised oh, you were going to rectify that. Have you rectified it? I not rectified that. I don't uh. remember saying that, but I'm sure I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, folks, as always, you can get in contact with us on Facebook and Instagram at All Star Superfan, on Twitter at All Star Superpod, and you can email us uh, your voice notes um, to allstarsuperpod at gmail.com. Emails and voice notes, guys. Um, we, we, we have them coming in regularly, and we really appreciate them. They're lovely to read, lovely to listen to. And uh, we'll be talking about that. We have a couple of messages voice notes uh, whatever you want to call them rob in relation to our superman 2 episode um that we might drop shortly enough what what do you think about yeah, that yeah so originally uh, i did reach out to a couple of people to send their uh, voice note opinions and emails on superman 2 and their preferred cut and a couple of people uh michael bailey anthony desiato 
uh, who else? Dharmesh Chowan and uh, I believe Jim Bowers even sent us something. A couple of people sent us a bunch of stuff, and it was actually uh, there was so much in it, and there was so there were all such substantial answers that it it didn't feel right to put them at the end of that episode. So we're going to do an entire separate mini episode just devoted to those uh, things that, that people sent us in. And feel free if anybody wants to send us their preferred cut of Superman two. If you want to send us a voice note or an email, we'd be ha- I'd, I'd be happy or Alan would be happy to read that out on on that little mini episode. We'll release that either uh, between Christmas and the New Year or something like that. We'll, we'll definitely have a comment soon. Uh, I have to say, listening back to that episode, uh, one of my favorites of the entire series of the entire show. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? <laughs> It was a lot of fun and uh, fair play to you for the amount of work and effort and the spreadsheets and everything you did for that. There was a serious amount of work and a serious amount of editing and everything involved. That was a, a, a huge amount of work. So thank you for that. It was a great episode. Thank you very much. Now, on the spreadsheet, I have to say, I did say on the episode that we were going to make that public. I've since lost that spreadsheet because it was on an old college email, uh, Google Drive connected to an old college email that they then they shut down that whole college uh, alumni server thing so i no longer have access to that spreadsheet so if anyone would like to make the spreadsheet based on what i say in the episode feel free i'd be delighted to share it otherwise i'm gonna have to painstakingly recreate it that's why i never release it but i i plan on eventually doing that when, when i have the time so yeah stay tuned <laughs> so tell me are you feeling the festive spirit this year yeah uh yeah a little bit yeah we, we you know well, do you know what happened? There was like, it was like two or three days ago. I was like, holy cats. It's like the, the 8th of December or something like that. I have done absolutely nothing. And I just suddenly realized, oh, crap, I'm going to have to do all my shopping and all that kind of stuff. And then ever since then, we've been kind of sticking on the odd Christmas episode of things. And, you know, we, we watched a, a shitty Hallmark type movie with Terry Hatcher the other night. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, so we're kind of gently trickling in the, the Christmas movies. So I'm kind of getting there bit by bit, yeah. So still have kind of a couple of work deadlines and stuff like that, sort of slowing me down. It's what happens yeah. when you're adults. You kind of don't care about it until right up before it's going to happen. But I'm getting there. What about you? It, it, it was kind of funny this year because Halloween ended and then straight we're straight into you know Christmas decorations in the stores and shops and stuff. And I was like, oh, they start this too early. And I was like, it's not fair on the kids because like my daughter's getting very excited for Christmas, but it's the first week of November and this kind of stuff. And... Uh, but then it just seemed to absolutely fly by the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Suddenly it's, you know, the middle of December and Christmas is upon us. Um, now, I was, I did kind of get ahead of the curve, um, you know, getting the Santa's list ah. in. Um, so the, the, all that sorted, Santa has told us that uh, he, he has the he has the, the sleigh packed. Um, but yeah, it's been busy. Like you, like listeners, um, it's been a minute since we actually recorded. Yes. Uh, listeners won't really feel that because, you know, we release them in quick conjun- uh, conjuncture. But uh, you're crazy busy with work at the moment, TV producing left, right and center. And I've been crazy busy with work at the moment um, and moving houses and all this kind of stuff. So life is just hectic at the minute. So maybe that's something to do with it. Yeah, but you know what, Alan? The, 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 the thing about the passage of time is when we ride, time flies with us. I'm sorry, that, that, that's going to make absolutely no sense and it's going to sound filthy to a lot of people. So feel free to cut that out, Alan, if you wish. No, I won't. It will we'll make more sense later in the episode. Let's get a taste. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here, uh, talking about Christmas movies and stuff. Do it. Give me your top. Will we do top three favorite Christmas movies? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Top three is good. 
What are your top three famous Christmas movies? Just so we can see where we stand before we, we get into tonight's discussion. Okay, now, will we do this the way we did the Halloween thing where I give three, then you give three, then I give two, then sure. okay, right. So, number three, and this is this is going to be kind of the, the weird one of the bunch. Jingle All The Way. <laughs> oh, I saw Jingle All The Way in the cinema, son. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it, was, it was a VHS classic for me. And it was one of those weird Christmas movies where... I didn't. It didn't need to only be Christmas when we watched it. Like I remember watching that during the summer and stuff like, like weird times of the year where you wouldn't necessarily watch it. And um, like straight up, it is technically a bad movie, I guess. Like it's 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 really wacky and you know the the comedy is really really over the top. But I just the more every year I watch it, I'm like this has aged really well. <laughs> like it, the the humor is just totally over the top and ridiculous and. You know, comedy is not Arnold Schwarzenegger's strong point, but he is pretty funny in it. And, like, Sinbad is just so completely unhinged and insane in that movie. It's just amazing. And the whole concept of, like, the Turbo Man doll and it's the sought-after toy. And, you know, he goes to the toy shop and the shopkeepers are just laughing at him. They're not just laughing at him, they're like cackling. And it was so, I remember at the time... It was so, uh, it was so kind of of its time as well because I remember that I think that was ninety six, and ninety six was the year, as far as I can remember, of the Furby. Ninety six, ninety seven was the Furby year because I remember my younger sister really wanted a Furby, and like as as an adult now, I know what it's like to be under pressure to get a toy, not that level of pressure, but uh, yeah, it's, it's I love Jingle All, Jingle All the Way. I have the only kind of funny thing story I have about Jingle All the Way is. In 2009-2010, I was on an advanced police driving course in in Templemore, and it wasn't going great. <laughs> I was about four days into it, and the instructor was just giving me this really hard time, and I was staying up, for the, staying up there for the week. And the night before the final kind of test drive, I was uh, exam, I was like, I just need to go home and clear my head. I have to get out of here. And I drove home, and I was like, I'm going to go down, and I'm going to rent a movie that makes me feel good. And I ended up renting Jingle All the Way. And it was like July or August. <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah. Um, and I, I passed the course there. Um, people always say, oh, well, it's so dated because you can just order it online now. The whole point is he leaves it until the last minute and there's none left. That still happens when you order stuff online. So it's not a valid criticism. The other thing about it is, like, obviously it's superhero doll. He's trying to get Turbo Man. They take all that stuff, like, really seriously. The whole, the look of Turbo Man... Like, there's a fake TV show Turbo Man thing, and, like, obviously at the very end of the movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger puts on the Turbo Man armor and flies, like, with an actual jet. But it's insane how much, like, production value goes into that stupid joke that it's a fake superhero. You, you mentioned you, you mentioned Arnold and you mentioned Sinbad, but the, the other yeah. great performance of that movie is the late, great Phil Hartman playing the neighbor. Oh, Phil Hartman! It's, it's like, it's, like, I want to say it's probably my favorite Phil Hartman live action performance. Like, you, you can't bench press your way out of this one. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's like, oh, there's cookies. Like, he's fantastic in it. He's so, so good. And, like, the bit where she, like, pours the eggnog over him and he just, like, rubs it over. He rubs it off his glass. It's a screw you guys. It's a great movie. And also, I do love, um, you know, people make, you know, talk shit about all oh, Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff. I love how many kind of, if you're very careful, you can spot all these, like, Marvel toys and, Batman toys and Kenner, all the stuff I bang on about all the time are like in the background of the movie and in the kind of toy shops and stuff. And the, the whole Turbo Man concept is a bit of a rip on Power Rangers. It's a bit of a rip on Power Rangers, but also Iron Man. And like there's loads of Marvel in the movie. And like you're, the kids' uh, bedroom is all Marvel. And it was kind of like, 
you know, Marvel was, had, was in in a tough spot at this point in the 90s. Like, part of me is like, they really could have just gone, oh, it's Iron Man. Like, they could have just made it Iron Man, but I guess they want to do their own thing. But, like, no, yeah, definitely. The, the, the fake TV show is clearly inspired by Power Rangers and the, the little... I can't even remember what they're called, but basically the putties from Power Rangers, the equivalent of those. Turbo Man has to fight them. And everybody hates the pink sidekick, yeah. <laughs> the pink sidekick booster. Oh, nobody likes you, booster. No. Um, no, it's a great, it's a kick-ass movie. And it's one of those movies where I was, I'm always like, this would make a great, you know, like the way they have that Santa Claus TV show now with Tim Allen? Yes. They should do that for Jingle All The Way. Just set it like 30 years later and Andy is just like a, like us, he's just this man-child podcaster who buys all these hot toys and things. And you could make a great movie or TV show out of that. But that's that's just my, you know, logline pitch. Don't steal it. <laughs> this is a this is a one that's kind of out there. I don't know even if you re- if you remember this. Ernest saves Christmas. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Ernest character, but back in the 80s, 90s, Ernest was this kind of guy. Yeah, he did, uh, uh, you know, Ernest, Ernest Scared Stupid, Ernest Goes to Jail, all that kind of stuff. But one of the earliest Christmas movies I remember watching is Ernest Saves Christmas. And I watched it about two years ago and it still holds up. And it's a lot of kind of 80s, early 90s fun. And it's a very simple nice. premise about Ernest having to, Santa Claus is basically retiring he retired like they do it for a couple every santa claus does it for a couple of hundred years and then they have to find a replacement and ernest is helping santa claus find the replacement with the help of this little girl yeah um nothing like you know it's no oscars or golden globes or anything for this thing but i just always enjoyed it as a kid um i used to rent it out a lot of christmases as a kid you can't really find it i think i streamed it on like now which is this kind of streaming service available um in ireland a year or two ago uh, but i was really surprised that it holds up holds up really really well and uh, the late great jim varney um that character the, the first couple of those movies as a kid they were they were gold um so ernest saves christmas i i've definitely seen like i i mean you remember the big big movie in the 90s mm-hmm. saturday night on rt1 they'd have the big big movie there was definitely Ernest films in the mix there, so I've definitely seen one or two of them. I, I just I couldn't tell you which one they were, and I, I don't know if I've ever seen a Christmas one, but I'm familiar with Ernest, and I, I definitely, I, my, vi- my most vivid memory of Ernest is those VHS covers, where it would be like a fisheye lens co- like picture of Ernest, like, and his face like pressed up against the VHS cover. That's the thing I remember most out of those movies. But the, I, the, I, horror, the horror one, the... the... Ernest scared, scared stupid has trolls in it, and they are literally terrifying, like oh, wow. re, like legitimately scary kind of monster creatures, like physical, um, you know, practical effects. I highly recommend. Now it it does devolve into into you know crap over time, yeah. but it's the those first few films, um, I I think still hold up today. Um, uh, number two. Number two. Um, okay, this is this is a much more basic old man choice. Uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Oh, excellent. And I, by that, I mean the, the, oh God, I don't even remember when it was made. 1943, I guess? 1940s, Maureen O'Hara, Edmund Gwen, and I've actually forgotten the name of the, the, the leading man in the movie, but it's it's just such a lovely movie. Uh, department store Santa Claus, convinced he actually is Santa Claus, goes to court over it. Uh, it's just so charming. Um, Natalie Wood plays a little girl. The great Maureen O'Hara from Ireland, with an Irish accent, most for most of the movie, plays you know the, the the mother in it. It's just so charming, so lovely. I watch it every single year, 
And the beauty of it is when you watch it as a child, you are completely 100% convinced that the man actually is Santa Claus and there's no doubt in your mind whatsoever that what he is saying is the truth. So there's no there's no kind of like room for interpretation or anything. You're just sure that this is the case. And it's only when you watch it as an adult you kind of realize, okay, well, there's a couple of holes in this guy's story, but maybe I still think it, you know, it's perfect. I absolutely love that movie. And the remake with Richard Attenborough from 1994 with um, Mara Wilson as the little girl, Matilda, and uh, there's, there's loads of kind of fun 90s actors in that one as well. James Myers in it, a bunch of people. That's really solid too. It's not as good. It's not nearly as good, but it, it is really, really solid and watchable. I think John Hughes actually wrote the screenplay for that one. Uh, and it's a bunch of fun too. So highly recommend both of those. There's kind of other shitty versions of it as well out there, but that you don't need to watch those. There's actually, funnily enough, there is a ultra shitty Dean Cain uh, Hallmark type TV movie where it's kind of a rip off of Miracle on 34th Street. I think it's called like Saving Santa or something. Don't watch that. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely watch all the, uh, the original Miracle on 34th Street remake. Love them both. My first air quote date was to uh, Miracle on 34th Street, the 94 version in the cinema. There was a girl I really liked in primary school and I asked her, would she like to go to the cinema one Saturday? And we went and saw Miracle on 34th Street. You were going um, on dates in primary school. That's rock and roll, man. That's, that's actually... Um, wow. I'm going to go back in time a good bit for my one as well. It's not one that I grew up with. Uh, it's a stone cold classic that everybody will kind of roll their eyes at when I say it. But I watched it for the first time about 10 years ago. I watch it maybe every second year now. And I really think it's a super film and it's it's a wonderful life um, with Jimmy Stewart. Great film uh, message never, never ages and just a solid like it, it sets the stage for all of those kind of films that followed that did the same thing mm-hmm. um, that rinse and repeated that concept of a man wishing that he had never been born and then viewing what the world would be like without him in it. Um, but the original did it best and it is heartwarming and I tear up every time at the end of that film. And again, I, I didn't watch it up to, for, the, for the first time up to about 10 years ago. I don't think it's as popular here as it is in the States. Like I noticed in a lot of American films, they always show people watching It's a Wonderful Life on the TV and stuff. But like I wasn't really aware of it growing up. Um, I'd heard the title, but like, and I think it's on RTE and stuff, The Odd Time, which is our, our local national broadcaster. Um, but I, I've really fallen in love with that film over the years. I think it's a it's a magical film and people should should go back and check that out. It's it's superb. So my number one favorite Christmas movie of all time is, of course, the Saved by the Bell two-parter Christmas episode. Oh, no, no, it's not. My, my number one is actually also It's a Wonderful Life. It's my favorite Christmas movie. Um, Fantastic. It, it definitely is very popular here. I know loads of people who watch it every year. My mother introduced me to it when I was like, I, I, I was definitely a teenager when I discovered it. I, I don't think it's a film for like young kids the way, I, I think you can watch Miracle on 34th Street when you're like four. I didn't watch It's a Wonderful Life until I was probably 14 or 15, I want to say. And I just absolutely loved it. The first time I saw it, every time I watched it, I discovered something new. Uh, I remember like my, my birthday is December 21st. So, you know, my birthday parties often have Christmas themes to them. And I, made all my friends watch it for my 18th birthday. I was like, look at this masterpiece. And like maybe two people were like, oh my God, amazing. And everyone else. You like, made I'm all bored. your friends, you Black made all your boy, friends I'm watch. Bored. It's a wonderful life for your 18th birthday. Yeah. So that's how hardcore <laughs> I am. I absolutely love it. I just think it's, you know, and there's just this lovely recurring motif running throughout where George is constantly reminded of what a rich man is and what it means to be a rich man and all this kind of stuff. And 
you know, that he's constantly in danger of losing the, the building alone. And there's that lovely moment. It's a really, really tiny little moment in the film where there's a run on all the banks. He doesn't know what to do. And he just glances up and sees the portrait of his father as if to say, like, what would that like? Oh, God, it just it's such a masterpiece. And then at the end of the film, when his brother turns up, as you said, like to my big brother, George, richest man of town. Oh, it's one of my it's. It's it's one of my favorite films of all time. Like I, you know, and I do only watch it at Christmas time, but like it's in top ten. Like it's, I absolutely love it so much. And it's it's I do think as well. Like people are always up in arms with oh, you can never remake a film. I'd love to watch a really really good remake of that. I feel like it's the kind of thing where you could do it through a modern lens. Really wasn't well. there some version? Now it wasn't a remake, but like where the concept was stolen wasn't there a Nicolas Cage film like 20 years ago that did it The oh, Weatherman or something like that that sounds about right yeah I, sure. I, like, I mean yeah I mean a lot of stuff the, the, there was a Michael Shannon film called Pottersville as well that I think okay. kind of dances around the, the concept of well you know the world is just what Mr. Potter intended it to be now which is why I think he could make such a cool yeah no like they, they've done a lot of sort of variations on it there, there was a you know everything from the Rugrats did an episode of It's a Wonderful Life to, like, a lot of those kind of 90s cartoons did. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Like, everything has done a version of It's a Wonderful Life at this stage, I think. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's such a good film. And James Stewart is a magician in that film. It gets even more powerful the older you get, you know. Yeah. Like when you're when you're thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and you watch it, yeah, it's it's good. But as you grow older and you re- you see the direction your life has taken as a result of decisions you've made, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it becomes more even more powerful. But yeah, if if anybody hasn't checked that out, you have to check it out. I'm going uh, to do watch, one. Watch the black and white version. Don't watch yes. the shitty colorized version because. Oh, I've never seen like, the colorized version. Oh God, it's it's interesting to kind of look at. It just looks like everyone's face has been drawn in with a crayon. It's really horrible, but it's. I know loads of American people who only watch the colorized version. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Watch it in black and white. It's much nicer. Um, I'm going to do one honorable mention because it's not a Christmas film, but we don't have the. It is a holiday film, but we don't have the holiday here. It's it's technically a Thanksgiving film, okay. but I want to give it a shout out because I always watch it this time of the year, and it's one of my favorite films of all times of all time. And that's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh yeah. Uh, John Candy, Steve Martin, road trip movie, trying to get home for uh, for Thanksgiving. Uh, one of my favorite films of all time. And have you have you seen it? I'm afraid I have not, Alan. I oh, know, Rob... I know it, though, and I know people are always <laughs> well, look, going on about how great it is. I'm not. I'm not yeah. All I'll say is, if you love It's a Wonderful Life, yeah, you'll love planes, trains, and automobiles because the message at the end is very similar. Okay, and it like it is a goofy '80s comedy, but it's probably the 80s comedy with the most amount of heart that i've ever seen um the the ending of it is so impactful uh, i remember being blown away by it when i watched it first time around and i wow. have to say it's just a really 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 solid film and okay. I, I you know people should check it out I, um, I'm, fa- I'm fascinated by the production of it like and i i believe that there was there was like hours and hours and hours of of deleted scenes or unused bloopers or something like that that have only become available very very recently and there was all these stories about, you know, that they, they, they took so long filming it that there was this extra that came to town and he had like a walk-in role or something. Or he wasn't an extra, he was he'd a bit part. And he had a walk-in role or something. And they kept delaying it and delaying it and delaying it. And then they needed to reshoot it and so on and so forth. To the point where he basically spent six months in this place, you know, being having his hotel paid for by the production company. 
and he ended up making like forty thousand dollars in overtime, <laughs> or, or not overtime, but just like they had to pay him for every day he was there. So he ended up making like a year's salary off this bit part that he was supposed to have. So, I've, I've never, I've never seen the extended version. I know they, I think they released it there in the last year or two. Um, but I know that there is entire subplots that were completely cut out of the film. Um, yeah. for whatever reason, be it pacing or whatever, but it's one of John Candy's best performance i know one of the deleted scenes always makes me laugh where he's eating a hot dog and smoking at the same time um as only john candy could do but that's that's just my honorable mention uh my number one it's national lampoon's christmas vacation i just love that (laughs) film i've loved it as a kid i loved it as a teenager and i love it as an adult um i love those first three national lampoon's films I grew up with Christmas Vacation, and now that I'm uh, kind of pushing 40 and a father, I know exactly what Clark Griswold is going through, and yeah, it's just a lot of fun for an hour and a half. It's just a guy trying his damnedest to give his family the perfect Christmas, and now the only thing is, when you rewatch it, it was the first film I watched this Christmas season, yeah. and uh, he, he lives in this massive kind of like almost Home Alone style house. And he's got this big paying job and he wants his Christmas bonus so that he can put the pool in uh, into the backyard. And he's kind of wants for nothing, but yet he's very, uh, you know, he's kind of playing the, the pauper. And, you know, if I don't get my bonus, I won't get to build my massive giant Reagan era pool. Um, so it's hard to feel sorry for Clark Griswold in 2023. Um, but again, I just I love the hijinks of it. I love Cousin Eddie coming to visit. You know, we all have that relative who you just don't want to come over to your house and he comes over and ruins everything. It's just a great, it's just a great comedy. Did you see that thing on Twitter recently? That so, or it was actually Reddit. Somebody figured out exactly what Clark Griswold's bonus would have been in 1989 money. No, so, I didn't so, see that. So he's a chemical engineer and they were able to work out his salary. And fun fact, being a chemical engineer, I believe in the 80s was like, one of the highest salaried positions you could have if you only had a bachelor's degree. Right, okay. So so anyway, long story short, 20 grand was what his bonus. Yeah, what and and that's kind of, that, that's the feeling you get. Like, it, 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 it seems like it's a ridiculous amount of money. And his point throughout the film is that they rely on it as part of their salary. Um, and then he doesn't get it, so it causes all these kind of problems for him. Um, but yeah, so it, it is hard to to feel sorry for Chevy Chase in twenty twenty three. You know, like Reagan era and all <laughs> yes, that kind of stuff. In many, in many different, for many different reasons. Um, but it just always makes me smile. And like, it's not you know, it's not in the same level as it's a wonderful life in yeah. by any measure. But it's the one I want to watch the most. So that's why it's it's my number one. Um. I feel like before we move on, by the way, you know, given our listenership and given just the zeitgeist around Christmas in this day and age and everything, there's going to be a lot of people screaming at their microphones. So I'm just going to ask the question now, Alan, alternative Christmas movies. And we all know what everybody's thinking. So we just want to just get it out of our systems now and just move on. Alternative Christmas movies? Top three alternative, so kind of like action violence adventure movies set at christmas time that oh well it has to be something. yeah very simple it's it's die hard lethal oh, weapon and batman returns exhausting and it's always a one-sided discussion so yeah okay fine it's a christmas movie you don't have to fucking scream it at the wall yeah. here. we get it you know okay watch die hard we get it um, uh, but look, I, look, if die hard it, if die hard is a christmas movie then lethal weapon is a christmas movie absolutely yeah, and Batman Returns, to your point, absolutely Christmas movie. I, I just want to give a shout out to the James Bond movie, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Okay, cool. Uh, it is also set at Christmas. There's Christmas songs in the movie, and it's my favorite James Bond movie. So 
And I'm sure there are some people shouting at the screen wanting to know why we didn't name like Home Alone, which is kind of the oh, big yeah, Christmas yeah. movie, the nineties. Great movie, but it it's actually very rare that I, I I think I watched it so much as a kid. Like I actually got a talk boy from Home Alone Two oh, for Christmas wow. nineteen ninety two. Like I was big into it, but I think I watched it so much as a kid that I'm just kind of spent on it as yes. an adult. You know that I kind of way. That. I um, I'm the same. I, I didn't. I, I'd say I watched it like, and it was a film that I watched beyond Christmas as well as a kid. Like I was watching it in February and March, and um, yeah. And then I'd say I watched it like constantly in '95, '96, and then didn't watch it ever again until like 2021. Um, but it's still great. But yeah, to your point, they're really, really rich in it, and it's just like this is so crazy, and it's never really referred to in any of the films. It's just like yeah, the mechanics. But in the '90s, in the '90s. Like in the early nineties, I actually I just presumed that's how all think, of America lived. You see, I just thought that was just life. Like, I, what? Sorry, no, no. <laughs> Roll that back, Rob. I did not live in a McAllister house, but like, I think TV and film, because you need a bigger environment to film in anyway. I I think we're kind of blind to when envi- Sometimes I think we're blind to when environments are bigger than they should be, and I think I it just never occurred to me how big the house actually was watching it as a kid. If that if that makes it's ridiculously big. Or even the fact that his father can fly his entire extended family to Paris uh, for Christmas. Crazy. Well, you um, as well, as a, sorry, last point. No, go on. I, I don't, living in Ireland, that is not an unobtainable concept. Like, flying to France. Could you fly 25 people to Paris for an all expenses paid? I always assumed that those individual families were paying themselves. I, didn't realize I don't think so. Everybody. But yeah, but like, I could envision going to Paris like myself for Christmas I guess in a hotel now it would cost a lot of money but it wouldn't be like an unobtainable fortune the way it would be for someone in like a mid mid you know middle America to fly out I saw I saw a meme or something there a few days ago where they worked out that like the pizzas that are delivered at the start of the movie would be like $400 on on their own (laughs) that he he pays for um, so, like I said, it's been a minute since we last recorded, so there's been a lot of developments in Superman news over the last while. Um, what are you most excited about? Um, well, like, I'm, I'm most excited about Superman and Lois and my adventures of Superman going back. But in, in terms of the stuff we're finding out now, uh, really cool casting announcements recently. Um, uh, the, the main one I'm really happy about is Nicholas Holt. I, 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 I was actually going for him to play Superman at one stage. I was sad when he didn't, and then there was news that he might be up for Lex Luthor, and I was like, oh, that'd be really cool, and lo and behold, it's actually happened now, so I'm really, really happy about that. A lot of people are kind of going, hmm, don't know what to make of this. Uh, all I would say is, if you've only seen Nicholas Holt in his, like, really mainstream American films, like like the X-Men films, or Renfield, which apparently wasn't very good, or like Jack the Giant. I watched Renfield three nights ago. He does a very good Hugh Grant impression. Yeah, yeah, or Jack, Jack the Giant Slayer, all that rubbish. And, and like even like I think he's very, very good in Mad Max. Like that that's obviously obviously you know that that that's an outlier. But uh, I, I I think he's one of those actors who is more of a character actor and like a really gifted character actor. And Hollywood keeps trying to make him a leading man, and it doesn't really work. Like he's better in, in kind of weird kooky roles. And I think that's why this is going to be so good. If you watch him in the menu, he's great. If you watch him in The Favourite, he's fucking amazing. That's an Irish movie. It's really, really good. Um, what else is he really, really good in? A- about a boy. He's incredible in. Like, everybody forgets about that. He's really, really good in that. Um, he's in a bunch of stuff. Skins. He's amazing in Skins. And he's really kind of selfish and vindictive and kind of like a bit of an anti-hero in Skins. He's a real vin- vindictive. What do, you, what do you think they're going to do with what him? What do I think they're going to do? Um, 
I just think, given how James Gunn's a huge comic book fan, and he made a point that this is a Lex unlike anything we've ever seen, I would be very surprised. And this is not my preference, by the way. I kind of wish they won't do this, but I, I would not be surprised if they went and did the Lex and Clark knew each other at Smallville angle, and they, they did all that stuff. And I'd say he'll keep the, I'd say he'll keep the businessman stuff. Like there'll still be LexCorp and all that, but I'd say they'll 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 sort of marry that vision of Clark and Lex knowing each other in Smallville and and all that sort of stuff. And I'd say they'll do that, and that's like not a bad idea. Like it is a different approach, and you know my my preference will always be kind of the more John Shea side of things, where he has no shared history with Clark at all, and he grew up in Metropolis and he faked his parents' deaths and all that stuff. I think that's I, I, that's my preference, but I think at this stage of the game when everyone is so sick of Lex Luthor because they've only seen him in movies where they didn't quite get him right or in the case of Gene Hackman I think they did get him right but it wasn't everyone's taste you know I, I think they need to go in a radically different but also good uh, you know direction and I think that that's that's our way to do it and I think they could do it really well if they did that so why not I'm going to pronounce this wrong but I'm actually excited for Skylar Gazondo cast as Jimmy Olsen um, getting back to the vacation movies he played Chevy Chase's grandson in the vacation reboot that came out about 2015 2016 and I thought he was very funny in it and I think he'll make a great quirky kind of old school Jimmy Olsen and I'm really what looking forward to like that him, <laughs> what, what else, else do I like about him go on say it he looks I don't like know. the character what? yes he looks like he walked off ah, he does he, he, like he, he, he does look like the character but he, he he does look like the character, but I don't think he's going to be a bland no, 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 I, Jimmy yeah, no, Olsen. No, no, um, you know, and you know, like the, that chap Sam who played him in, in Superman Returns was very good in yeah. in his way. But I, I think he'll bring some. I honestly do think he'll bring something to it. I think he's he's a he, he has good comedic time, and I think he's he's a good actor. I've seen him in a few things, and um, yeah, uh, Lois Lane, Rachel Sorry, uh, Brosnahan. Second, on that other actor, Skyler, um, he's also in Liquid yeah. Pizza which is a really lovely little movie. Um, and he has a small-ish role in that, uh, but but he's very memorable and very good in it. And he, he kind of plays like the, the dickhead who tries to weasel in on, on the main, uh, on, 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 the, on the, the, the girl that the, the hero has his eyes on. And he's very, very good in a couple of scenes in that movie. But a nice Superman connection there in that Bradley Cooper is in that movie playing John Peters. Like literally playing John Peters, the producer of Superman Lives and all that stuff. And he's just as crazy and unhinged as we've all heard him to be. So definitely check out Licorice Pizza, if only to see Bradley Cooper playing John Peters, because it's amazing. Um, Rachel Brosnahan as Lois Lane. Um, I, I've never seen her in anything. Um, she looks the part, that's all I can say. Um, other than that, do you have any thoughts or feelings on, on Rachel? No major thoughts, except that Saoirse, who I would now trust in her opinion in terms of Superman stuff, because she's... She's watched so much of it with me over there. Been subjected, been subjected she, to so much watched, stuff. <laughs> she watches the marvelous Miss Maisel or Miss Mrs. Miss Maisel. Anyway, she watches that. She's very familiar with Rachel Brosnan. She was like, "Yeah, no, she's gonna be great." She she really really good. So I trust I trust her when she says that. So that's fine. Excellent. Um, there's rumors going around the last few days that Kurt Russell is being lined up for Jarrell. That's being quashed. Like James Gunn himself said they haven't. And that was another that was another example of like, okay, come on guys. He's a guy with like luscious he's a he's an older gentleman with luscious hair and a beard. And 
we have to cast him as Jarrell. Like, just have some imagination, please. Like, but why does Jarrell always have to be kind of in his sixties? Yeah. Like, like can he not be thirty five years old? Kind of like he was in the animated and, series. And in the comics, being an old man is really an invention of. The, I was going to say an invention of the movies, but like Marlon Brando wasn't even that old. They just stuck that Santa Claus wig on. Um, I I'd have no issue with with a younger Jarrell. I I definitely think as much as James Gunn loves the old movies. I think we're finally going to see a Superman movie where they, they try to move away from that aesthetic and really try to do their own thing. That being said, Miss Tessmacher is in the movie as well, which is really random. Because, like, there's loads of other... Well, obviously, Mercy Graves they could have used. So I thought that was a bit strange. No issue with her being in it. I mean, maybe that actress would be great. Maybe it'll be a really memorable role. I'm not sure. But uh, I did think that was a bit strange. I have two words for you. Maxwell Lord. Yeah, great. I mean, I saw. I I listened to our friend Zach's and and Lance. Uh, they did a discussion about this, and they were kind of like, "Oh, you know, who cares about Maxwell Lord? Like, you know, who even is that character?" And they were like, "He's been in a bunch of stuff already. He's been in Wonder Woman. He was in Supergirl. I think he was even in Smallville. Obviously, he sort of played a part in. Or no, it wasn't Maxwell Lord. It was um the other guy was in in Superman and Lois. What's the other guy's name? Anyway, it doesn't matter. He's been in a bunch of stuff already." But if you read the Justice League International run from the 80s, James uh, Mateus, friend of the show, and Keith Giffen did this amazing run of Justice League International, which is where that character comes from. He's actually this like really complicated anti-hero who is kind of pulling the strings, but it's also never really clear if he's a good guy or a bad guy. And then, yeah, I don't, I don't want to give away how the story ends up, but like because he he kind of gets lumped in as just kind of a knockoff yeah, Lex a lot. He kind of like that's what they used him for in Supergirl. And, and again, in Wonder Woman eighty four, he's basically just Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor. Whereas like he's actually a way more interesting character than that. And you know the thing about James Gunn, say what you like about the man, I think he knows that he's read a bunch of comics and he knows like kind of the the potential and the appeal of a lot of these characters that have been sort of underserved and other stuff. So that that's why in the case of both Lex Luthor and Maxwell Lord, I'm like, I think these are going to be good, you know? I do I do have to kind of raise my eyebrow a little bit, though, at, like, Sean Gunn again. <laughs> like, he, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just waiting for the Jennifer Holland Cat yeah, Grant like, announcement. I'm just, I'm waiting Sean for that Gunn to come. played two characters in the Suicide Squad. And it's like, technically, that's still canon, maybe, I guess. I'm not sure. So, because Peacemaker's coming back, and that's part of that. So, I, I, don't, I don't know. But, like, I, I do... You know, as much as I'm sort of cautiously optimistic about the James Gunn stuff, I am kind of like, okay, James Gunn. <laughs> I I was, as, as you know, I was uh, bent over with this horrendous uh, uh, vomiting bug during the week. But I ended up subjecting myself to Shazam, Fury Oof, of the Gods. And I still haven't seen it. But it was, look, mediocre, fair, you standard stuff I, I really have i don't really like zachary uh levi he just kind of bugs me and i used to love chuck but i, I don't know what it is um, and i don't think that whole family shazam thing really works yeah. um but at the very end no real spoilers but jennifer holland actually turns up in the end of the movie and i was like all right okay we're like where is this going because even her cameo didn't make a, a lick of sense in the end of the movie um but yeah, I'm, that's why I was I was laughing. I was thinking, yeah, she's definitely going to... I'm, I'm fully sure she's going to be cast as Cat Grant. Actually, fully sure. Shazam is a Christmas movie. Uh, the first Shazam, which I still, have a, I still have a lot of goodwill towards that one. I still think that's... And I think Zachary Levi is good in that one. And I think maybe 
they probably got the balance a little bit wrong in the second one. But by the sounds of things, I, I still haven't seen it. And I, I kind of don't want to sully my memory of the first one because I really enjoyed that first one. My big problem, not to get too much into it, my big problem with Shazam, I find, is that there's too much of a disparity between Billy Batson and his adult self. Like, he's, like, an, an entirely different yeah, character. Even, even in the first um, yeah. yeah. Um, Superman and Lois coming to an end after season four. Yeah, I'm... I, I, I spoke about this on, a, on Digging for Crypt tonight as well. Uh, I, I really, really, really loved season three. I think it's one of the best Superman seasons ever. I thought it was absolutely incredible. I'm about four episodes into it. Okay, great. I really want to stick with it. I, I really, really enjoyed that one. And I personally, I think if, you know, if they have a set endpoint in mind from the start, what harm? You know, they, they could actually do something really, really special and... You know, all good things come to an end. Not everything has to last forever. Would I like a fifth season? Definitely. Would I like any more than that? Not really. I think it'd be great to just have a, a you know, have a beginning, middle, and end, and just end it on a high. And you know, it, it, it is a shame that it's being cancelled in the way that it is. But I, I honestly, I, I, I think there's, I, I, I'm concerned about the budget, and I'm concerned about actors not being available to come back and stuff like that. And I, I think I'm hopeful that they'll find ways around that. But all in all, I'm just grateful that we've had this amazing Superman show for three years, and I really, really hope that the fourth season is. And I see both Superman and Lois and My Adventures with Superman have both been nominated for Saturn Awards. Great. So that's great. Well yeah. I, I really hope, like, of, of all the actors and actresses in Superman and Lois, I think uh, Elizabeth Tulock, more than anyone else, I think she absolutely deserves an award for, for season three in particular. She's just immense in that. Like, she's. In that season alone, she's become one of my favorite Lost Lanes ever. Like, I think she's up there, you know, she's entered the ghost conversation, as I think I said in a previous episode. Like, she could honestly become my favorite Lost ever by the end of next season. If she, if she continues to be as strong as she has been, she's so good in that show. Excellent. Uh, Comics-wise, is there anything you want to chat about? Uh, very quickly, I'm catching, I'm, I, I've fallen a little bit behind on Philip Kennedy Johnson's uh, action comics film, which is sadly coming to an end. I, I have been kind of catching up on that. He does some really, really cool stuff with Metallo off the back of the War World saga. That's really, really awesome and well worth checking out. And then I've also been checking out Joshua Williamson's run of Superman, the comic Superman. And that is just a bunch of fun. And if anything... I think if, if you kind of slipped away from Superman comics for a while and you're looking for something really back to basics and just kind of reminiscent of the TV shows or the movies where it's just Lois and Clark and Superman and a couple of key core characters, the Williamson run is exactly that. And, the, you know, the, the balance of kind of drama and comedy is really, really good. And Jimmy Olsen is great in it. And I've kind of only read a couple of issues, but they're all great. And I highly recommend that stuff. So definitely check those out. Um, by the time this goes out, Superman seventy eight, volume two, issue one, I think is out now. They're doing some Metallo stuff on that. I've read, I've, I've read the there. first issue. Um, oh yeah, I'm, I, yeah, it's it's fine. It's it's you know serviceable so far. Um, not much happens in the first in, in the first issue, but it's it's fine. Um, so I'm uh, waiting on the Dublin City Comics versus Enemy. I'm kind of down in batches and stuff with other stuff. So, um, yeah, I look. I, I, I everybody knows who listens to the podcast regularly that we weren't huge fans of the of the first run. I said I'd give it an, another go and see see how we get on with the with the second lot. I'm reading through um, uh, um War World Saga at the moment. Great. 
which uh, which I'm thoroughly enjoying, to be honest. Um, re- oh, are yeah. you? Okay, because I wasn't sure if you definitely... No, no, I am. I am, yeah. And uh, like Mongol and War World, all that kind of stuff is kind of a, a, a gap in my knowledge. So kind of reading through all that, I'm really, yeah, really, exactly. I'm really enjoying that. So we might cover that maybe in the uh, in the new year or chat about it in the new year. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, perfect. So will we get on to tonight's main topic of discussion? Yeah, I've... I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Okay. Um, We're talking about the 1994 Tim Allen Santa Claus. No, we're not. Wait, what? I could talk all night about that one too. Don't worry. Uh, We are talking about Santa Claus the movie, released 1985. Now, we are talking about this film because it has very close connections with the Christopher Reeve Superman films in that it was produced by the Salkines and Mr. Pierre Spangler. Um, It was written by David and Leslie Newman. Um, It was shot at Pinewood Studios. They used a lot of the same flying um, techniques and people to get the flying shots done. This is a film that... It was directed. It was directed by... Now, pronounce it for me. Jeannot Schwartz. I think it's General Swartz, Swartz? Or something to that effect. Supergirl director and somewhere director in time, fourteen, somewhere in time as well. Christopher Reeve and fourteen episodes of Smallville, which also starred both Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour from Somewhere in Time. Yes, so uh, lots of lots and lots and lots of Superman connections. And and the funny thing about this one, and I'll get into some of the, the the stats about it in a minute. But the funny thing about this film that I find is that it is hugely popular, uh, especially in the UK. Um, it was definitely popular with me as a kid. I grew up with it in the 80s and the early 90s. It was kind of the Santa Claus movie before there was Tim Allen movies and all that stuff that came out in the 90s. Um, but it is practically unheard of in the United States. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I don't know why that is. I, I think it got a, it got a full release in the, in the States as well, but it just didn't do well. John Lithgow has said that it is the worst film that he ever made. And apparently Dudley Moore <laughs> agreed with it, apparently. Wow. I, I, I watched uh, an interview with him where he said that uh, after they filmed uh, finished recording it, filming it, they went to see a private screening. And as they left, Dudley Moore <laughs> turned to uh, John Lithgow and said, career ender. <laughs> wow, wow, so wow. um yeah but you know i i think it has a lot of charm um i i just want to the thing you mentioned there about the, the early 90s being like so my only memory of this from childhood is like in the very very early 90s i remember seeing this dusty brown cigarette stained scene on television and going mom what's this and she said oh santa claus the movie I was like, well, where the hell is Santa Claus? Who's this poor kid running around drinking Coca-Cola and looking at <laughs> McDonald's? Yeah. And I didn't, I, that's the only scene I saw and I didn't watch the rest of the movie. And then Tim Allen, the, the Santa Claus came in. That was the Santa Claus movie for me growing up. That was like the kind of, you know, Santa Claus as a superhero type movie, movie that I watched every year. And that was the one that all my friends loved and stuff like that. So I, I, I didn't see this film until I was 33. I watched it last year for the first time. I remember watching this a lot in the 80s. Um, at Christmas time, kind of the late 80s. I don't know if I had it on VHS. I don't know if I had it, um, if it was on RTE or what it was on. But I, I definitely have strong memories. And then I didn't watch it for like 20 years. Um, but I always remembered it. And I think I got it on DVD for like three or four quid one time. And I threw it on every few Christmases. And look, it's hokey. And it's cheap looking even though it shouldn't be 
um because I, you know apparently they spent like the budget for it was 50 million dollars the box office was only 23.7 uh but the 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 budget was 50 million dollars john let actually tells a, a funny story in that same interview where he said that uh, around the time that they were filming it he got a, a black london cab you know the, the the famous black london mm-hmm. cabs and he was talking to the taxi driver and the, the cab driver recognized him and he's like oh what are you doing over here and he's like oh i'm making a movie and the cab driver said, oh, where are you doing that? And he's like, oh, Pinewood Studios. And he's like, well, who's making it? And he's like, the Salkines. And he goes, the Salkines? I hope you got your money. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, whatever the budget was, I don't know how much of that money was actually put into the film. But there are scenes here that I think look pretty impressive. Um, and we'll get into that as, as, as we go on. Um, Henry Mancini did the score. Any thoughts on the score? Or Henry Mancini? He's the Pink Panther and Moon River guy, I think, isn't he? so yeah i've heard people say it's amazing i think it's it's fine you can definitely tell there are times where it's trying to be superman yes. which i think we're going to be saying a lot in this in this discussion but uh yeah th- nothing really stood out to me about it like both Stuart and a couple of other people have all sort of told me oh yeah i love the score i nothing stood out to me about the score i have to say except that there are moments where i'm like oh yeah that's that scene from superman that they're trying to they're trying to just do that now like it, it makes sense though. When on the, on the face of it, like you know, the Salkines are in the UK. They have access to pine wood to the technical teams who can do flying shots. It mirrors the Superman movie. Like there's a lot of stuff up to kind of the North Pole and the. the Alan, Alan, this film is <laughs> Superman the movie. They have they have lifted their own film and placed it placed Santa Claus into it. It is Superman the movie beat for beat, and it robs a crucial. A, Anyway, sorry. This is an absolute... In the same way everyone's always like, oh, well, you know, every Marvel movie is just a copy of Iron Man or whatever. Or, you know, whatever. Like, oh, Die Hard or Speed is just Die Hard on a bus. This is just Superman... I was about to say Superman in the North Pole, but we are, you know, we have that already. This is beat for beat. This is Superman the movie. I can draw a correlation between nearly every single scene in this film and the the Salkine Superman movies. They robbed their own film. It's bizarre. It is bizarre. crazy. And if you've never seen this, watch it for that reason and that reason only. It, this is like a, a secret Superman sequel that nobody knows about. But here's the here, so, here's the question, so Rob. Is it set in the same universe? Oh man, I'm so glad you asked me that, Alan, because I was going to ask you the exact same thing. I I kind of yes, yes, it is. <laughs> it's canon. There it is. All Star Superfan hot take. Santa Claus the movie is set in the same universe as Superman. But Rob, there. there's no comic book where Superman and Santa Cohen exist in the same universe, is there? Well, actually, the comic well, anyway. We'll talk about that later. Yes, yes there is. <laughs> um, so the runtime of this film is at 1 hour 47 minutes. It stars uh, Dudley Moore as Patch. M- much kind of knowledge of Dudley Moore. He was big in the 80s. There's actually another Superman uh, connection. Dudley Moore was a comedic partner of Peter Cook's at one time, and Peter Cook is Selena's uh, lover in Supergirl. Um, Can I give the biggest Superman connection with Dudley Moore, though? Go. He was supposed to play Mr. Mix's Piddlick. I never heard that. He, it's literally in the Wikipedia for Santa Claus the movie, and uh, ooh, anyone can edit Wikipedia. Guaranteed this is true. Dudley Moore was supposed to play Mr. Mix's Piddlick in Superman 3, and Elias Salkin wanted him for that role. And then it never happened one reason or another. They offered him Supergirl. He said no because he wanted to do Santa Claus the movie. And, man, there is a scene in Santa Claus the movie. And 
I can guarantee goddamn tea. That was a scene that was written for Mr. Mix's Piddly. And they said, oh, well, we didn't use him in Superman 3. Let's use that scene in this. I guarantee it. The scene where he meets John Lithgow and he's teleporting around the room. I can guarantee, I bet my bottom dollar that was supposed to be a scene where Mr. and Mrs. Bidlick meets Lex Luthor or whoever the Lex Luthor equivalent would have been in that version of Superman 3. I guarantee it. So the the villain of the piece is, as we said, John Lithgow, who plays BZ, uh, a toy company owner who is, what, dastardly evil? We'll we'll get into that as we go on, but uh, I I definitely want to get into John Lithgow. David Huddle... Go on. Oh, sorry. No, go on. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back. I was going to say, he's basically like post-crisis Lex Luthor if he'd appeared in Adam West Batman. Like, he's just so broad and so camp and so over the top. I have two words. I have two words. For free? For free? <laughs> I was going to do that at the start, but I thought yo worked better, but now I kind of regret not <laughs> One of my favorite line deliveries of all time. Uh, David Huddleston as Santa is like, when I actually think of Santa Claus, I think of, of the big Lebowski himself, David Huddleston. Um, like, oh, yeah, he's the big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> like, he is, he, he's off the box of quality streets. He looks exactly like Santa. Um, it's a real kind of like they were trying to find the Christopher Reeve of Santa kind of thing. I, I, I don't think he's that good. Do you not think so? No, like, do you know what it is? I think part of it is that, like, he just looks so dirty. Like, his, and the whole film looks so dirty. It looks brown and, like, everyone's just been smoking too many cigarettes. But, like, like his face is, like, not his face, but his beard is just very, it's like that kind of dirty kind of blondy grey. It's not even white. <laughs> that kind of smoker's grey. It's kind of smoker's grey. It's just, it's kind of filthy to look at. I, I just, I don't know, like, his, his performance is fine. Very, but there's scenes and there's deliveries where I'm kind of like, he's kind of a poor man's Rodney Dangerfield as well. Oh, I think that's harsh. <laughs> there's a bit where he's taken off on the reindeer and it's like, hey, I'm flying. Whoa, what's, what do you mean flying? What's that about? Oh, and you're just like, could they, could they not get Rodney Dangerfield? <laughs> I I know I think I think that's okay, very very, very harsh. harsh. Uh, Burgess Meredith as the ancient elf the cameo. Oh, Jor-El. Sorry, Jor-El. Oh yeah, he meant Jor-El. he's basically Jor-El. Yeah, he is. Um, uh, to all who would hear these words, in every country in the world, in every time zone, I am here to announce that henceforth, for the rest of your life. For the rest of time, you will be known. In all the world, <laughs> in every country, for the rest of time. It goes on and on <laughs> and on. such a long feat. You're going to be called Santa Claus, right? Did everyone hear that? You're going to be called Santa Claus. Yeah, that, that, that's the most, that was like when it clicked for me. It's like, oh, wait, hang on a second. This is Superman the movie. They've just done the same thing. It's like the Fortress of Solitude, and then Jarrell shows up, and then okay, now you're Superman. It's like the exact same thing. And my my favorite casting, I forgot to note her name. My favorite casting is Mrs. Claus, is played by the the trailer trash wife of Onslow from Keeping Up Appearances. Did you grow up with Keeping Up Appearances? No. Oh my goodness, I did grow up with Keeping Up Appearances, but I didn't remember that that's what she was. She she's actually kind of maybe maybe my favorite casting in the movie as well. She's just kind of light, delightful, and sweet, and sort of. You know, memorable without having much to do. I, yeah, I, I like her in this. Yeah, can't really complain. Won't, won't say anything mean about her. And I do too. I do too. And the synopsis reads, The legend of Santa Claus is put in jeopardy when an unscrupulous toy manufacturer attempts to take over Christmas. So, 
we'll, we won't go through it scene by scene or anything like that. But the the, the plot is 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 basically that Santa Claus. It's not the 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 Saint Nicholas version. Santa Claus is a elderly, heavy set man who makes wooden toys for kids thousands, hundreds, if not thousands of years ago. And he himself and his wife get caught in a snowstorm, and elves appear because Krypton's Krypton's uh, plates are shifting out of orbit. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> um, and these mystical elves appear in the snow and bring him back to the North Pole, or the North Pole basically. Uh, emerges from the snowy underground uh, as it does in a certain other film and they announce that he is the fulfillment fulfillment of a prophecy uh, that he will be you know of a, a childless man who will Santa becomes the father <laughs> a, a, a childless man who is destined to deliver uh, toys to all the children of the world at Christmas because all the children of the world are now his children and it fast forward basically then it fast forwards kind of through a montage of him becoming Santa. It sounds like he's been indoctrinated into a cult. <laughs> it does. Well, it kind of sounds like they, 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 they kidnap him and then force him to work forever uh, as their slave driver. <laughs> as their slave driver. That's the weirdest thing. It's like they're the workforce. Yeah. But they're, they're, they're stealing him to be their master. It's, it's peculiar. Just want to just like very quick thing. What do you make the elves in this film? So they're... They're probably shorter. They're they're shorter people. They're small people. Um, now Dudley Moore was a short guy, but I think they. Yeah, he's they, only like five, six. But I think they make him look even smaller than he is. But then in some scenes they are look a bit bigger so than normal. Yeah. What I what I did notice is that they're all men. There's no other women. There's no women in no, in the North Pole. They're all again. They're all kind of filthy looking men. They're men from that, that look like your dad's mates from down the pub, but like in the early nineties when everyone's making toys is not a clean job, Rob. You have to get your hands dirty. But like you know, like in the and, and look, I I I'm not one of these people who thinks it's not all gumdrops and hot chocolate, like no, exactly. <laughs> and and that that is almost a problem I have with those Tim Allen movies. It's like it's the most American version of Santa imaginable, and Santa is not an, an invention of the United States. But yeah, like. You know, even in the TV show, he's like, oh, crawler me, baby. And someone throws a fucking donut. And it's like, <laughs> Santa does not eat donut. Anyway, but like in this film, they're all just these like kind of burly, kind of sullen faced cigarette stained. I keep saying that. They've all got like brown teeth and they just all look tired and old. And like, I, that's not really what I picture when I picture. I think if you worked in a, in a, in a de facto sweatshop, that's exactly yeah, how enough. you'd look. <laughs> I, I have less problem. I don't like when they cast kids as elves. Um, so yeah, that's also fair. Enough. I don't yeah. mind them that much. I would take these elves over the the Santa Claus Tim Allen elves any day of the week. I I think there's a happy medium that we haven't had yet, but I I, I agree. I, the Tim Allen elves are creepy in a different way. I I feel like the best course of action is to just cast like handsome twenty four year old Orlando Bloom and make all the toys. <laughs> that that's that's what they should do. Um. So. We we get this kind of montage where they're picking out the suit colors, and you know, first it's green, and then it's red, and you know, they kind of get all of the elements of the of the the mythos together. Um, and th- I like the feel of the North Pole, and it's like there's this kind of eighties, and I get this with a lot of films. Yeah. Now maybe it's nostalgia, but there's like this kind of eighties practical effect, magic and warmth to it. I think. Um, I don't know if you get that because you didn't watch it in the eighties, or is that something that I, I just put on it myself? It, it is very, very 80s, and I, I do kind of get that, and I, I sort of get what they were going for. I, I If I could equate it to anything, it almost feels like, you know, you know, like those wind-up kind of toys you have where, where like, there'd be two elves, and they're, like, cutting a, 
cutting a wooden log or something. They're going back and forth. It almost feels like they were trying to bring the, the feel of that into live action, where it's like you see all the elves kind of dancing around. They're all just doing these sort of routine activities, and they're going back and forth and doing the same thing again and again and again. And it, it almost felt like one of those kind of, like we, we have one inside. It's not wind-up, but it's like you, you turn it on, and it's like Santa spinning around in a, in, on a train track or something like that. It was, that. That sort of like sweet, olden sort of, style of christmas ornament thing it's like the front of a quality, a quality street box there i remember these quality street box or like norman rockwell yeah. or one of those old kind of like pre pre coca-cola versions of christmas basically yeah uh, which is ironic and <laughs> we'll get back to that but there's certain things from that era those 80s christmas you know that the kind of I don't know, like a cheap nostalgia, but I see it sometimes. I was actually in a home decor store today and I saw this plate and it just reeked of the Santa Claus movie. Just like the the depiction of Santa Claus on his sleigh, this kind of bluey, dark background, sparkles and snow everywhere. And if that's what they were aiming for with Santa Claus, the movie, they they nailed that. It was of its time. Yeah. I, I, I will, I'll give you a couple of examples. You know the, the, the cornflakes ad that airs every Christmas here? Yes. It, it is an American cornflakes ad of these quintessentially American children in an incredibly wealthy household walking down in the middle of the night because they've left cornflakes, of all things, out for Santa Claus. And they're like, oh, he seems like he really liked them. And one of them's got these huge Christopher Reeve glasses. And, and then they fall asleep or something. And then the youngest the little girl, blonde toddler. She's the only one who sees Santa Claus and she says, how, how, how at the end of it. It's an adorable little ad and they played it for like 25 years. I mean, I don't know. Did they still play it elsewhere in the world? But they were definitely playing it in Ireland as recently as like the mid to late 2000s, yeah. even though it was clearly from the 80s. Um, other things that remind me of 80s Christmas, like, do you remember there was a Budweiser ad in the 90s? And it was do, just, do, like, do, 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 do. Do 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 do. That was the song. Do do. I think it was that. I I remember when it was like do 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 do. No, I remember. Uh, maybe I remember even like the one before that. I remember the the, the Budweiser yeah. horses, and I just I'll never forget that tune. I used whenever I saw a lot of people in Ireland when they see the ad with the American Coca Cola trucks. That's kind of yeah. their sign that Christmas has started for me. It was yes. the Budweiser yeah. horses, uh, wishing yeah. you and yours a very merry Christmas. Yeah. And like, and uh, you know, I, I know what you're getting at is that that kind of, kind of grainy, warm, sort of saturated, very American kind of feel that you get when you're watching these old ads that only air at Christmas time. Um, and, and, uh, and I think uh, there's a couple of music videos as well. You, you know, um, Wizard, I, I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. Like that, that sort of like, and there's loads of those kind of 80s songs that are associated with Christmas that they still play. Last Christmas, obviously, by Wham. Sorry, anyone who plays that game. I hate seventies uh, Christmas songs for some reason. I hate Slade. I hate Wizard. Um, is Slade is are Slade and Wizard seventies? Yeah. Oh, I think they're seventies. They, I think they're seventies. They probably well, like Wham is eighty four. Um, because yes. I watched a documentary recently on on Wham and George Michael was really pissed off in it that Band Aid bet him to number one and he was in their song as well. Um, but yeah, now the only thing is like they they do a lot of work in terms of the toy shop. Um, but it all looks like kind of it's it's all those classic old school toys like they're all kind of plywood looking, and they're all yeah. like you know little trikes and you know rocking horses and that kind of stuff. But again, to be fair, at the with the budget they had at the time and. You know, it's I, th- I think it's pretty impressive. Um, the budget they had at the time, the budget of this was 
astronomical for the film that it is. To your point, though, I, I do think uh, it, it is kind of an old kind of stumbling block of every Santa movie. They, they try to make them so timeless. They never show modern toys. And I, I think I think the Tim Allen movies kind of comb their nose at that a little bit. But they still like, you know, I want to see a Santa movie where his entire sack is just full of PlayStations. Just PS5s, nothing else, just PS5s. Because like that's all kids care about now. All these elves under serious pressure trying to figure out how to build a PS5. <laughs> yeah, trying to get around. Like that. That's I, I even wondered that as a child, okay? Like, you know, how did they get around kind of like copyright? <laughs> like... You know, all, all this kind of like proprietary software that has to be installed into a PlayStation. This is a prime example. And, and I'm going to, I, I, this is a prime uh, moment to talk about the biggest issue I have with all of these movies. Okay. All of these Christmas movies. All the, the Miracle on 34th Street. Are, uh, is, is this something that younger listeners should be listening to? Greg, go, go. Yeah. Santa, Santa, uh, the, the Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, this uh, the, what my daughter loves the last few years is the Christmas Chronicles movies with Kurt Russell playing Santa. I was gonna, I was gonna bring them up later on. Yeah, yeah great. Yeah, the I Tim Allen that. movie, the first one. Yeah, and even even the Tim Allen movie and uh, even this one, Santa Claus the movie, right? And it's a, it's a thing that always bugs me. Bugged me as a child. Bugs me now. There's always parents who don't believe in Santa Claus. How the hell do they account for the presents that rock up in the morning that they did not purchase? <laughs> and, and yet they kind of address that in this film, though. Do they? They kind of. Yeah, it's sort of implied that the, like in this film, everybody knows and accepts that Santa Claus is real and does exist. And it's like the, the shitty toy. Later on in the movie, there's this kind of dropped thread that mm. Patch Dudley Moore's character He's he becomes Santa Claus's main assistant and he helps with the production of a bunch of toys. But he introduces these new modern kind of 80s yuppie assembly line techniques that result in shoddily made toys. Quantity over them, quality. Quantity over quality. And a lot of them get re- returned somehow, by the way. But like my understanding from, and all the kids are like going to school saying, oh, you like Santa Claus? He makes shitty toys. And, all this, you know, and, and then there's a bit where it was like, you don't even have parents. So nah. <laughs> it's so mean. But like the, the, the parents are like wheeling their kids around on these toys and all this stuff. And kind of like I, I took from that that it's just generally understood. And plus Burgess, Burgess Meredith says in the movie from this day for I'm not going to do it all. Again. Don't do it all. But, but <laughs> He does say that the whole world will know. Like he, he says that the whole is, world That is true. That is know. true. That's just the way I read it. But you, no, it, it is an absolutely fair point. That's like, this is a man who literally introduces physical objects into your house. How do you not know? How do you never speculate? Well, where did that come from? Like, <laughs> um, so, agree. yeah, as you alluded to there, the, the base plot of it is is that, or the continuing plot of it is, is that uh, the, the decades go by and the centuries go by and uh, Dudley Moore, who plays Patches, becomes Santa's assistant, and he introduces all these measures. The toys all fall apart, and then he leaves the North Pole. And for some reason that I can't really explain, decides to kind of go out on his own. And knowing that BZ, the head of a toy company who's you know involved in like tribunals because he likes putting nails and teddy bears and all this kind of stuff, knowing because he says it himself in the scene, you know, you were on the naughty list. He knows he's a bad guy, decides to team up with this guy to release a lollipop sprinkled with elf dust or Christmas magic that makes oh, kids. So much, I have so much float. to say about I have so much to say about all the stuff you've just said on so much. What, to say. Let's talk about it because uh, what rewatching it for the podcast with my kind of thinking 
cap on. I was like, why would he team up with this guy? Why does he want to release this, you know, free present for kids? Why does he kind of want to go? Is it to prove to Santa Claus? First, that- first things first, right? First things first. Patch leaving the North Pole. Was there a shot that seemed familiar to you at all there? Um, Him walking through the snow like Jeff Reist? Him walking through the snow like Jeff. I want to see a side-by-side comparison. It is the, it literally, it looks like the same shot. It looks like they lifted the same shot. They were like, how did they shoot that in 1970? Oh, do that again. It literally looks the exact same. And when I was, when I was watching it the first time with my friends, I was literally like, and they were all like, oh yeah. Like everybody got it straight. Even people who don't even like Superman that much. Like Searsha was like, oh yeah, it does look like that. Like it's, it is the exact same. Um, Yeah. So getting into the whole selling the, I, I think I think his his thing is he wants to redeem himself with Santa by proving yeah. that he can mass produce. He can something. be an amazing. Yeah, he can be an amazing toy maker himself. Um, why he 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 teams up with BZ John Lithgow, I don't understand. But maybe he's just because he's naive. He's naive I, I think it's because he's supposed to be a naive kind of a child like type thing, and it doesn't occur to him that there could be a man so evil in the world because the spirit of Christmas is such that it, it's open to be kind of weaponized and manipulated by spurious sorts like BZ. Now, what I what I did want to bring up, though, was in the courtroom scene there, first of all, shout out to Stuart, Stuart uh, Mulrain, friend of the podcast. He pointed out to me that in the... One of the people uh, in the courtroom scene is none other than Stuart Milligan, who played Superman in the BBC uh, radio dramas of the late 80s. The, the, they did the uh, Adventures of Superman, which kind of recaps the john byrne uh stuff and then the death of superman as well also really really good check both of those out he is in this so there's a nice superman connection there something that isn't really a superman connection though alan is the scene where someone lights a cigarette in a court of law and sets a betsy wetsy or whatever the toy is on fire and then brings in like a panda toy and opens it up and it says you claim to say that this is safe for five-year-olds or something, and opens it up and, like, a bunch of drugs fall out. Drugs and, like, nails and screws and all sorts of stuff, yeah. It's, 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 it, 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 I guess it's implied to be asbestos, but I, I, I just, when, when, like, a bunch of white powder comes out of this panda bear. In order to fill that stuff into a, into a bear, into a toy, like, you would almost have to deliberately be that incompetent. To, to, to allow that, like, it's not, like, one thing that fell into something. Like, yeah. it's, like, it's just, like sawdust and asbestos and whatever the hell else yeah and like it's broken glass <laughs> broken glass like they really just everything is dialed up to 11 here that, that is that is not the first time i'm going to reference drugs by the way and i'm not implying that anybody was on drugs or anything like that but there's there's a couple of like key moments of imagery in this film where i'm like what what were they going for with that because it really seems the like christmas dust making to... the kids high Man, there's so many bits in this film where it's like they were trying. And I know I said this about the Flash. People just think I think everything's about drugs. But like there's so many bits in this film where it was like, are the reindeers supposed to be on drugs there? Are the kids supposed to be on drugs? Is John Lithgow on drugs? Is this whole plot point drugs? To to talk about it, I don't know whether you know this or not, but there's actually a 50 minute documentary, the making of the Santa Claus movie on YouTube that you can watch. I can't wait to. Uh, I watched it there about a week ago, two weeks ago. Um, and it's really, it's really good. David Hiddleston is playing Santa Claus in it, um, but they're they're treating him as if he's the real Santa, uh, and it's it's kind of uh, quite. 
touching that way. But uh, they do they, they they go into the reindeer a lot. So for any of the scenes where reindeer were actually pulling the sleigh, they used real life reindeer. Okay. Um, that I they had to to uh, this whole segment about how they had to they shed their antlers and they by the time they had them trained their antlers had grown back and all that kind of stuff but then it was one of the first uses apparently of um animatronics and they even say that word in as like animatronics as if it's the first time it's ever been ushered yeah. um and it's actually quite impressive what they what they accomplished with the reindeer and they show that they, you know they can move their noses and they can move their eyes and they can kind of move their ears and all this kind of stuff but in the film itself like obviously it's 40 years later it's really obvious that it's animatronics um but there is kind of an uncanny valley kind of weirdness to them where they kind of look like they're doped out of their mind um not too dissimilar from from the tim allen movie where i, it's I kind was of gonna say I think it's kind of a little bit better than the Tim Allen. Like, at least it's it's a bit more seamless. Like, in the Tim Allen movies, they look like Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Whereas in this, the, 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 there's a little bit of an internal realism to them. But, like, the whole way that the reindeer fly in this is that they're fed magic dust. So, like, they bury their noses in this magic dust. And then Snow they emerge, And they emerge from the magic dust and they become supercharged. And they're like... And their whole... And it's just like... What? And this was a movie made in the 80s. And Alan, you're a man of the law. You know, you're a man of the people. I don't want to imply anything. But I'm sure you're familiar with the ugly side of life. And like, I cannot help and watch this and go, these reindeer are coked out of their mind. <laughs> and there's other stuff in this movie that reminds me of that as well. I'm just like, was this intentional? Was it accidental? And like, you know, as you said, it's an 80s movie. How many 80s movies deal with cocaine? And like, you know, it's it's like... It's impossible not to see. And there's a scene later. I didn't want to get to this, but there's a scene later on in the movie where Santa Santa Claus, the way he goes up the chimney in this is he teleports up the chimney. And the way he does that is he taps his nose and bends down. And the little kid does it too. I'm like, how did they not know this? It's so, it looks, anyway. Actually, sorry, there's, getting, there's, there's very a, dark. There's a weird scene early on in the film when Santa Claus I think Santa Claus is getting ready to go out on his first ever delivery and there's this weird scene where like the the roof of the North Pole opens up and a comet is coming across the sky and then they it's like they shoot it with something and then it breaks up and all this dust kind of comes down (laughs) and sprinkles them all and then they all have a an elf rave basically inside in this yeah. in this hut like it's the beginning of christmas and there's no explanation to it whatsoever there's no kind of oh this is the you know star of whatever like there's nothing i'm like what yeah. the hell is that about and um, to my knowledge jano swark apologies is is still with us he's alive I, I believe he's 89 years old you know i i genuinely would love to have him on the podcast because he's got so many incredible superman i would end up just talking to him about jaws 2 because i was i I think he directed jaws 2 as well he did direct jaws 2 that's right and and by all accounts that's the most solid jaws sequel it's 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 probably objectively the best one he directed supergirl he directed this and he directed 14 episodes of smallville like you you know an, an acclaimed superman director you know from so many different chapters of superman like superman's legacy i'd love to to chat to him about that if you're listening mr swark but i would really love to know what was there some sort of like drug induced imagery that they were trying to get across in this santa claus movie because it is impossible not to see at least if you're me um so plot wise uh, patches delivers this uh, with the help of bz mass produces this lollipop that they give out for free and he has television ads and he delivers it in this kind of car you know like a newer version of the sleigh that they develop where he can fly around the world delivering this uh, lollipop for free the kids go mad for it 
Uh, BZ is delighted and he decides to come up with Christmas 2 uh, in March, on March 25th. The one the one truly funny moment in the movie is, the, or the one truly witty line in the movie where it's, it's like, oh, I've got a new idea. You know, we're go- we're going to do a sequel to Christmas. Christmas 2! I'm like, did the Sockheins realize how funny that is? Yeah, I, I have to say, I laughed out loud when when when, when John Lithgow... And, uh, like, but but I, like, there, there's layers to that joke because like, there, there's the Sockheins clause because that they, you know... They made the Three Musketeers and then the Four Musketeers, and all the actors sued them because they didn't get paid for the Four Musketeers. So did Hollywood Lester introduced... sue them or attempt to sue them as well for that? Is that why he ended up being brought Possibly, in? Yeah, that yeah. that could have been. I can't remember, but and then obviously they made Superman two, like one of the most iconic number two movies ever. It's like they must have been self aware when they said that. I don't I... think I don't think there was any self awareness in this. <laughs> I don't think, no, I don't think there was any self-awareness in this in any way, shape or form. But like Christmas But I'd say the new, I'd say there was on the, on the part of the Newmans, I'd say the Newmans were like, yeah, let's stick it to Yeah, yeah. See if if his English is even good enough to notice this joke. But like, you could literally imagine a company even now trying to come up with some kind of a second Christmas just to push Hallmark cards or whatever the hell. Yeah, it's, it's, um, so uh, they, they, they. They rush production on the this uh, what is this the candy canes or something that they they use pops yeah they they increase the air quote dosage um so that the kids instead of just being able to kind of float will actually be able to fly. Sorry, getting back to my earlier observation, Alan. Literally, the the the, the scene as it is written is John Lithgow saying we need to find a way to make them stronger, make the effects stronger, make them even more appealing. It's like, come on, guys. Like, um, so on. they inc- they increase the dosage, but in inadvertently make them explosive. Um, and John Lithgow basically tries to pin this on patches. He's like, "Well, ship them anyway." And patches. I need to, pa- I need to pause the discussion again, Alan. I'm sorry. I, ca- I keep interrupting you tonight. What makes the candy canes explode? Is it not just like an increased dosage of the nope. the the the, the a teeth? They- is it? The, the, yeah, yeah. So they explode yes. when they're ex- when they're they're exposed to extreme heat. Now, where yes. have we seen that before? <laughs> the acid, Superman three. It's literally the same thing, the, written by the same screenwriter. They stole their own movie once again. It's the same thing. And there's this subplot then about Santa Claus seeing apparently the first homeless child he's ever seen in 400 years. Um, <laughs> and he makes friends with this homeless kid in New York. And there's this subplot about how the, this homeless kid is kind of been watching uh, this little girl who's affluent. She's actually BZ's niece because she leaves food out for him. And they become friends with Santa Claus and they they go around and they slay with him and have a great time. And again, apologies. I'm interrupting you so so much tonight. The, the 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 whole depiction of the homeless boy and the wealthy girl and them, uh, the little boy looking into McDonald's and all that. You talk about this movie not being successful in America. You know, we, we talked a little bit on the Superman two episode about how, you know, there's those Richard Lester scenes in Middle America. Well, put my daddy down, Mister General, and it's like a real, it's like an English person trying to imagine what America is. This is a French director and Israeli producers and like a bunch of English people. Are they not Turkish? God in Pinewood. Who? The Sockheins? Are the Sockheins Turkish? I'm pretty sure yeah. they're Israeli. I'm Are they Israeli? I, 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 I'm very, very sorry, but they're definitely not Americans. Okay. Point. 
there's a lot of people who aren't American trying to imagine what New York is in this movie and and a bunch of child actors who are absolutely not American. No. And it's it's all it all just culminates in this strange kind of like Dickensian yeah. fake they, New they York basically that take anything like America. They basically take the aesthetic of what a, an orphan would be in a Charles Dickens novel yes. and try and update it by putting a leather jacket on him and and putting him outside McDonald's. And put him but you know what's the the creepy thing about this is the Santa Claus movie actually had a Happy Meal tie-in with McDonald's. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, so then depicting homeless kids standing at the window wishing that they could eat is, I don't know, there's yeah. just something a bit ugly they, they, about they, that. They introduced the Euro Saver menu. Oh, sorry, it's not, it, the, the Dollar <laughs> Saver menu. No, but like, that scene is just like, because the whole movie, you, you know, the, there is kind of an anti-consumerist message running through it. It's like, oh, the, the true meaning of Christmas is gift giving, not, you know, not profit or whatever. But then you have this appalling, grotesque scene of this child pressing his face up against the wall of a McDonald's and watching all these like wealthy and they are wealthy people. They're all well-dressed people eating like literally like hampers full of McDonald's. Like You see this mother bringing this massive, massive tray of like 16 different servings of fries and all these like stacks of quarter pounders and all this. And they literally the sound design is such that. You can hear this, just these delicious lip-smacking sounds as they're eating this delicious. It's almost McDonald's. like they have the munchies. And like they're they're, they're well that too, and they're they're drinking the you know the delicious cocoa. You can hear that the, the, like they've really amped up the sound in the sound mix of, of the delicious consumption of this McDonald's. It's absolutely grotesque. It's like I I think I describe this film as like it's both a condemnation of consumerism and also just a really gleeful embrace of it. It just, it loves, it loves consumerism and it loves capitalism and it loves the true meaning of Christmas, which is just buying shit. Yeah. Yeah. And Sorry, yeah, this is, a, no. this is a bit of a darker Christmas. Episode. No, it isn't because like, it's only when you, when you, when you, when you're, when you grow up that little bit and you, you rewatch and I was like, when I saw the McDonald's scene, I was like, Oh, that's, that's, that's not great. Um, now I, I, I think their heart, <laughs> I want to say their heart was no, in the right place. Their heart was in the wrong place with that scene, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so uh, the kids were in the right place. The the the, the two kids basically. Uh, uh, BZ finds out that uh, they know about the the, the faulty product, um, and they go to warn Patches, who goes to basically he he gathers them all up and he flies off in a, in the in the flying car to what destroy them or get rid of them and um, kind yep. of you know. Dark Knight Returns style, or um... no, 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 sorry, no. He flies. He has the best of intentions. He wants to fly them to the North Pole because there's like a year supply of them there, and he wants to give Santa a year off. He's like, if I bring all these candy canes to the North Pole, we won't have to make any toys for next Christmas because we can just use these. But uh, the big climactic thing is that the the car b- blows up. The the kid and patches fall out. Santa Claus actually performs the super duper looper, whatever you want to call it, saves them. End of the movie. Um, I, oh, actually, I think Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus adopt the two kids uh, or, or kidnap the two kids for a year, basically, and keep them up in the North Pole. You, you forgot uh, Beezy's exit from the movie. Oh, yeah, he gets arrested, uh, doesn't he? Well, no, the, the police surround the building. It's in a very familiar Superman scene, but not for once, not from Superman the movie or any of the Sawkind Superman movies. The police surround the building and he climbs to the to the window of his penthouse and uh, he starts munching on all these, uh, not not unlike Tony Montana in a film from around the same time. He munches on all these candy canes and uh, he he just jumps out the window and flies off into space. Um, 
And when we watched it, like my friend Parker, who I, I keep saying, well, hopefully we'll have him on this year. He was like, this is the top of the world scene from Lost <laughs> Park. <laughs> and just to hammer home the Superman connections, the movie ends with John Lithgow flying in front of the camera in space like Superman. He does. Yeah, he does. He does. Like, it's it, it it's so blatant that you just can't get away from it at any point in the movie. Like, yeah. there's 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 literally, it's 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 either the shots or it's the story elements or it's it's the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. I don't think the flying is done as well as no, any of the Superman not. movies. And, and none of the special effects are. Like, the rear screen projection, you're kind of going, wow, this is like, this reminds me of Superman 4 in a lot of ways. Like, it's... Everything just looks a little bit not not cheaper, but just not as well. Like not lit as well, or I, I don't know. Is it just that they they had a bigger, you know, like in Superman it's just a man, whereas in Santa Claus it's like a man, a sleigh, and a bunch of other things. They have to light all that, and it's it's, it's a more difficult thing. But it's just it doesn't look as good. And they do this thing where they have the, like these kind of sparkly stars running under the reindeer. And it just looks kind of cheap and just like shitty, like a shitty cartoon. It doesn't look where Superman didn't have any of that. It was just like he was just flying. Like there was no kind of energy field or anything like that. Yeah, but it's the rear projection stuff, especially. I just it it, it it's not a patch on one and two. It's definitely not a patch even on Superman three. But but to quote our good friend Zach Moore, I, I feel like the wire work is just as good. <laughs> <laughs> there's not as much of it, but there is a bit like there's a bit where a kid like flies up to a basketball hoop. And that that was pretty good. And there's another bit where there's a kid holding hands with a girl, and he's kind of yeah, floating. Yeah, and, and there's another bit where a kid like steals a cookie from a cookie jar, and he's flying. And you just know Elio was like, "Oh, you know, we have all this flying technology. We should use it for Santa Claus. Santa Claus flying." Um. So, what are your final thoughts on Santa Claus the movie? My final thoughts are: this is a very strange, very shitty movie but i will be watching this for the rest of my life because i i discovered last christmas that there is this secret superman movie that i never knew about that is very strangely similar to all these other superman movies that we love and talk about so much and i'm so grateful that we've gotten to do this episode on them and i it just continues the kind of fascinating tapestry of the sawkind era of superman and i i just think it's so interesting and strange that they you know, their whole approach to American box office supremacy was like, we got to harness Americana. We have to find these quintessential American characters that make everybody love America. And we we, we have to make incredible movies of them. Their first one was Superman, A+, plus, way to go. I think a big part of that was Richard Donner, but that's another conversation. And then for their second, their second go around, they were like, okay, well, what else can we do? What else can we kind of get that would really make people... And instead of just going, well, what about another superhero? They went, Santa Claus. I just love it. It's such a strange idea. Like, it makes sense in some ways. But, like, if, you know, if that happened now, they'd be like, well, I don't know, Green Lantern, maybe, or Batman, or whatever. Like, But back then, it was like, no, Santa Claus. But I think it was it was literally, it was it was counting beans. It was like, we can we can do the flying stuff. We, we know we can do the, the North Pole snow stuff. We can recycle the story, you know, with some minor alterations. Uh, we can steal some story plots is it stealing ones yeah. from ourselves and we can just ship this thing out do it all again and i completely agree and i think that in itself is just fascinating to think about and and i find it even more fascinating that like 
the the part three of all this is they made a Christopher Columbus movie. Did you hear about that? Yeah, they did. Yeah, <laughs> I and haven't that, seen that, it, but that I, yeah. was a massive, massive flop. Like even more than this, it just made absolutely no money. And I think that was probably what killed any hopes of a Superman five, which they were trying. Well, I think to it was the the time. Christopher Columbus flying around the North Pole just didn't really didn't really <laughs> take didn't really I, work. I, I I sincerely hope I've apt, I had no idea what that Christopher. The only thing I know about that Christopher Columbus movie is that it was directed by John Glenn who directed a bunch of James Bond movies and crucially he worked as a second unit director on Superman the movie. So I hope and pray that there is a bunch of Superman similarities in that too. And we should definitely do an episode on it someday. But I, I find it fascinating that this film exists. And they were, sorry to keep going on a bit, they were trying to make this a thing. Like there was a comic book adaptation of this. There was, yeah, a Marvel comic book adaptation. Marvel comic book adaptation, which is so strange to think about. Like, this is so entrenched in Superman, and yet the comic book adaptation was Marvel and not DC. And there was a novelization of this film. Oh, I didn't know that. There was a novelization. I've read, I've, I've been reading it the last few days. Now, I've only made it the first couple of chapters in, and it's a proper novelization. Like, it's not just, here's the script. It's like, this This is a writer that, I, apologies, I don't know the writer's name. I believe it was a female writer. They, she took her time with this, like, and she really paints the film with words. It's well worth a read. I, I hope I, I'm really hoping that the novelization kind of deviates a bit from the film, because I always find those really interesting. Where it's kind of like here's something substantially different from the film. But uh, no, definitely check that out if you if you haven't read it or if you're in any way interested in this film, check out that novelization and check out the comic book adaptation. What I don't know is. I, I don't know if there's a trading card series. I really hope there's Santa Claus movie trading cards. <laughs> um, it was actually released last year. I think it was last Christmas, Christmas 22 on 4K. And I, I did watch a yeah. trailer for it on TV. And it does look superb. Uh, in 4K, it? it does. I have to say, I, I thought it looked really, really, really well um, in the in the 4K version compared to the, the version that I watched. Um, uh, my final thoughts on it are... Um, it's 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 not a great movie. I have a lot of nostalgia for it because I I grew up in those in those vital kind of Santa Claus years of you know four five six watching this movie. I, I remember seeing the VHS cover in the local video shop. That must be where I where I saw it. I must have rented it numerous times there. Um, in I I love John Lithgow in it. He's over the top to yes. a ridiculous level. Um, but I enjoy his performance overall. I I appreciate the kind of nostalgic 80s christmas feel of the film i think the yeah. second half of the film is a complete slog um i think it's way too so i was shocked when i saw that it was only an hour and 47 minutes long yeah um, because it felt like it was about two and a half hours um but overall i think if you live in the states and you've never checked it out and you're a fan of the christopher reeve movies you're a fan of santa claus movies or, or christmas movies in general i think it's definitely worth checking out it's interesting you said that about how the second half of the movie is a real slog because that is something people say about Superman as well. It's like the first half is very different to the second half. And it's like for a lot of people, they prefer the second half because it's Superman flying around doing stuff. But for a lot of people, they prefer whatever. And it's like once Lex Luthor comes into that movie, it just changes completely. It's like it's just this real tonal shift that the exact the same thing happens in this. It's like the first half is all about setting up Santa Claus. And then the second half is just John Lithgow like running around doing shit and Dudley Moore and all that. For, you know, Dudley Moore, by the way, is fun in this. He's not bad in it. Like, I think he's fine. And I th going back to the Superman stuff, like, 
I, I have to hammer home that point I made earlier on. He was clearly supposed to be Mr. Mixes Pitlick. And that scene where he meets John Lithgow, I guarantee that's a leftover scene from an unused Superman thing where they were going to do Miss. I guarantee it. Do you think he would have worked? I, do you think he would have worked as Mister Mixes Pitlick? Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't. I don't quite think he's quirky. No, I, I. I have to admit. Um, you know, love film, love movies of all decades, but I am not. Uh, I don't have a huge knowledge of Dudley Moore. I, I, I honestly. I think that if he had played Mr. Mixes Pitlick, it would have been this exact same characterization. It would have been like a childlike imp character who is taken advantage of by an evil capitalist and Superman. Super and, and he, you know, rubs Superman the wrong way, but ultimately is his friend by the end of the movie. I guarantee that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, let's segue from movies to Comic books. Uh, is there any? And we spoke about the the briefly about the Marvel ad- uh, adaptation. Any uh, any Superman, Santa Claus comic books you'd like to discuss, or you have any favorites or anything? Um. Well, I, so we mentioned uh, Superman Volume Two One Six Five last year, which is probably my favorite Superman Christmas story. Um, we did put up a, a call out on Twitter for uh, Superman christmas related superman comics and there was a couple of people that that mentioned this dc comics presents comic uh dc comics presents number 67 it was written by len wine creator of lucius fox and wolverine our co-creator and uh penciled by the great kurt swan and uh it's basically a story where superman uh runs afoul of the toy man and none other than Santa Claus has to get involved. I I, I presume you're going to mention the fact that uh, the kid at the start, like I, I, I saw definite similarities between the kid in the start and the homeless kid from Santa Claus, the movie. <laughs> that is a very, very good. And, and you know what? He, the, the homeless kid, the, the kid at the start of the comic, he points a toy gun up at a kind of, um, what would you call it there? A Like a charity Santa Claus? I don't know what you call them. We don't have them here. One of those Santa Claus that rings a bell. Yeah, like a street collection Santa Claus. Yeah, um, and and there's one of those in Santa Claus the movie too. So like, definite definite similarities there. And this, I guess, so 1984. This is a year before Santa Claus the movie. Uh, interesting. Um, so basically, the the kid shoots uh, like a pop gun at Santa Claus, and he goes, "Well, hang on a second, kid. Be careful there. You could pop. You could knock someone's eye out there." And Superman uses his X-ray vision on the gun and says, "This this so-called toy isn't harmless at all, Santa. My X-ray vision spotted some sort of secret mechanism inside, which is projecting a concentrated beam of low-grade radiation at its user." Because I have to admit that I rolled my eyes at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's like in the '80s, radiation was still pretty much okay. It was like it maybe wasn't as safe as it was in the '60s, you know, radioactive spiders and all that. But by the '80s, it's, you know, it's still basically okay. So he brings little Timmy or whatever his name is to the fortress. Wraps him in his cape. Yeah, which is the thing that Superman did a lot in those days. And it's one of those things where I was I, I was reading that going, yeah, that, that's pretty true to what Superman would do in the Bronze Age. He'd wrap people up in his cape when they're going to the, the Fortress of Solitude. Pretty glad they didn't do that in the movies, I have to say. Like, and and I, I bet that was something that people complained about at the time. Oh, why isn't he wrapped Lois in his in his cape it's like no it looks better when and plus he'd probably see his harness <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um 
And then I don't, I don't know. You you take it. He, yeah. He so basically, to, uh, he, he it turns out the the kid the kid is hypnotized. Um. So he decides to bring the kid to the fortress of solitude to dehypnotize him as such. Uh, he wraps him in his cape. He flies him up, and um. It basically turns out that. Oh yeah, sorry. So he's 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 then returning the kid back to uh, where he got him. And the kid accidentally, for the first of two times, shoots Superman in the face uh, with the ray that comes out of the gun. And a heavy gravity beam he, from a white dwarf star. Yeah, like, but, uh, of course it is. Um, and and I, I do love, though, that, like, you know, everyone always goes, oh, well, Superman doesn't have any weaknesses or, you know. And even in the Bronze Age, you know, you could just take him out completely with a, a, a heavy heavy gravity beam from a white dwarf star oh see he's not just uh, just kryptonite (laughs) and you know it turns out that those uh, white dwarf star fragments are just lying around in antique stores as paperweights and stuff so as marty in 1985 (laughs) you can probably buy a white dwarf star in a convenience store so uh, superman falls to the ground unconscious the kid is panicking and out of the mists of the snow come some elves um they they pick up superman they bring him back to the north pole um he wakes up and he meets santa claus and he can't believe it. he's like oh my god santa claus is real uh santa claus seems to be a bit all-knowing and knows that the toy man has uh, released a load of these faulty toys or these adapted toys out into the wild over christmas um to hypnotize kids into doing his various stealing and you know mischievous mischievous activities uh but 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 just just to hold on he's given superman a tour of his uh of, of his workshop and was there anything that stood out to you in this bit anything that stood out to me in this bit uh they're all using he, he brings he brings superman into the communication center of his workshop. Yeah, it's all computers and stuff yeah it's all com- it's a bunch of elves who by the way are very reminiscent of the elves from santa claus the movie uh he brings him into this communication it looks like something out of james bond and he goes from this room we can monitor every boy and girl in the and a daily printout lets me know who's been naughty or nice. Ah, the wonders of the computer age. No GDPR data protection regulations in the North Pole, apparently. Absolutely not, baby. I absolutely I love my that. favorite part. Th- my favorite part of this sequence is when Santa Claus is like, you know, he starts reminiscing about the toys, like kind of what we spoke about earlier, the toys of old yeah. and the simplicity of the toys of old. And then Superman is like, oh yes, I I couldn't agree more, Santa Claus. And then he describes his favorite toy, which was this thought projector that Jarrell had invented for him to, to oh yeah the, the old old the old ways of thought projecting yeah um i thought that was i thought it was great like, oh p playstation vr oh that's just ridiculous new toys those kryptonian thought projectors they were you know they were that's the old school stuff. That's what it was Superman says, the toys of our childhood are always the most precious to us. I remember a toy I loved as an infant, handmade by my father, Jorel, greatest scientist of my home planet, Krypton. It was a marvellous toy capable of transforming my own brainwaves into realistic holographic images. Wow, that was... We all had one of those. Um, so then Superman and Santa Claus go flying off to try and track down the toy man. Um, they do... Um, there's kind of this battle between the toy man's toys and Santa Claus's toys. Uh, this e- now I I, wa- I want to ask you about this. So I I thought that was really really cool, but my my whole takeaway from that was this would be better if Superman wasn't here. If it was just like like the beginning of Scrooge, where Santa Claus is just kicking ass, that kind of 
Yeah, if if it was just Santa Claus and the toy man, yeah. I'd be more like Superman is not needed in this story at all. Was was my feeling of it? Superman is kind of like a periphery character. He gets shot in the face twice. <laughs> by a kid <laughs> yeah, like there's kind of no need for him I would have thought like whereas Santa Claus is interesting in this story and the toy man is interesting but like and it it's nearly a better like we didn't we didn't discuss this in the movie discussion but like the big problem I had with Santa Claus in the movie is there's no showdown between Santa Claus and BZ yes very true and that would that was something Gene Siskel actually that's said that's a great point movies. actually that never occurred to me that there's no real like whereas in Superman the movie you know at least Superman meets Lex Luthor and there's a bit of a something before he's kind of foiled and all that in Santa Claus there's no like he saves Patch and then that that's the movie and Beezy gets arrested separately to that like you need it like a showdown that would have been a kick-ass showdown like Santa's toys versus John Lithgow's toys Beezy hanging a rocket kryptonite around Santa Claus's neck and fucking him in a pool though I don't know if that would be <laughs> class but but the, the the thing that takes away from this story is like the, the the idea of two different sets of toys having a war against you that's really cool i don't need superman there as well yeah you know, like and he is a bit redundant in it like at one stage they try and he 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 turns around he's he's fighting these toys he's like this is rapidly becoming the fight of my life because he's been weakened by the beam that he got hit with earlier on and you're like is it really um so yeah there's there's a fight between uh santa claus santa claus uh, uh kevin McAllister's the toys by throwing marbles out and they trip and fall um and it's it's yeah just kind of you know classic kind of 70s 80s fair um the the toy man gets arrested and then we get this scene where uh, uh superman flies around replaces all the 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 tampered toys with ones that aren't tampered and then as he's flying with the kid again oh no sorry he's talking to the kid again and he accidentally shoots superman with the beam and superman wakes up in the snow uh, where where he first fell back at the beginning of the story and he's like oh i just had this crazy dream it turns out he's only been knocked out for a couple of minutes and everything has been a dream or has it because in the very last panel, Superman checks the inside pocket of his cape, as we all know he had back then, and he finds the toy that Jor-El made him back when he the was a child. Toy. Um, toy. So it wasn't a dream at all. Or was it? I don't know. That's, imp- <laughs> that's impossible, isn't it? Do, do you know what that reminded me of? Is um, I, th- I think it's the second Tim Allen Santa Claus movie, where the, the woman that Tim Allen is falling in love with in that movie... I. I, I kind of have a soft spot for Santa Claus too. I have to admit that the second Tim Allen one, he he falls in love with this woman who becomes Mrs. it's his Claus kid's teacher, isn't it? Yeah, and but there's this scene where she's talking about this toy that she never got as a kid, and you know they they don't make it anymore. Some board game or something, and she's like, oh, I just wanted it more than anything, and I never got it or whatever. And he magically produces it, and it, that that reminded me. This reminded me of that. I just thought that was nice that like Santa Claus can get any present no matter how obscure or how strange it is and it, um, it's a fine it's a fine little story you know you, you, because I was wondering when it turned out to be a dream and then he was dropping the kid back I was like well they, 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 if it was a dream they haven't sorted out the problem of this gun that, that this hypnotized kid he's just dropped him back to his parents <laughs> house um, but then you get that little you know wow Santa Claus is real um, and yeah it's 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 what do you think it's a nice little story it's a bit it's, it's, it's ridiculously nice. silly of its time it's, it's it's a fun it's fun comic book action and you know we, we didn't really get into this but like i like the idea of 
building up the mythology of Santa Claus to fit a kind of fantasy adventure superhero story. And I like when movies do that. Not everybody does, by the way, but I, I think that's kind of cool. And they do that pretty well in the story. For me, I do prefer superhero Christmas stories when they're kind of character studies. And this isn't a character study. This is this is a fun adventure story. And it's a very fun adventure story. A lot of people say that they really like the story. I can definitely see if I was a child reading this, I'd be like, wow, kick ass, you know? So it, I, I would I would recommend it, definitely. It's it's not going to be one of my favorites, but I, I, I did enjoy and it. And it's short. It's I think it's 24 pages. You can get it for oh, like a dollar, a dollar 50 or something on um, on Kindle or Comixology or whatever apps you're using. And, and it's 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 on it's on DC uh, Universe Infinity as well. And it's it's definitely well worth a read. I, I would stress that that one we discussed last year, I think it's Superman 165. I that that is far more of like a character driven story. There's barely any action in it at all. Uh, that that's still probably my favorite Christmas-related Superman comic, but uh, no, I I thought I thought this was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so that pretty much brings us to the end of of another holiday special, our first holiday special in which we didn't talk about Lois and Clark. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah, but I miss I I love those Lois and Clark uh, Christmas episodes, but uh, yeah, we tried to keep it as as Superman-related as uh, as we could. Um. Coming to the end of another year, Rob. Twenty twenty three is behind us. Uh, how do you feel about uh, about everything that's happened this year so far? In the world or on this? Yeah, in terms of the uh, Israeli. No, no, no. I, in terms of All Star Superfan, just you know, um, we've had a great year. We've had some great guests. Um, Jared Christopher, who would who would have guessed that Jared would have come on the podcast? Um, Mark Pillow, uh, Keen Tormey. We had. Um, yeah, we just we just you know obviously friends of the show again, Matt and and uh, uh, Zach and and the guys, um, Ed Gross. You know, it's just been it's it's been great. Um, and I, I, again, I've loved every minute of it. I've really, really, really enjoyed it. And like we should acknowledge, it, it has been stressful over the last couple of months. Like on a personal note for us, we've been so busy with work. I've been involved in a, in a huge trial over here for about two months. Uh, and it was hard to get in front of the mic and you are just up to your eyes with 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 work and producing tv and stuff so it's it's great to 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 get to sit down again in front of the mic and uh we'll try and do it as much as we can in in 2024 yeah i, I mean i i'm i i think i'm really proud of some of the apps we did this year i really really liked doing the superman lives episode um i really really liked doing the superman 2 one with zach and oliver uh, th- th- there's a couple of ones I re- I just I really really enjoyed doing it this year, and it, there was a couple of ones where I was like, even if nobody listens to this, the Lois and Clark ones, the the two Lois and Clark episodes, absolutely love doing those, and I really didn't think anybody would care because I don't always think that people do care about Lois and Clark, and that was the first the, the both of those Lois and Clark episodes are two of the highest rated episodes we ever had, and by the way, the Gerard Christopher episode was stratospheric for us. Which we often we often make fun of with with love and affection. We you know we we laugh at the show. We laugh with the show. You know, I personally have loved the show for many years. I've often pointed to it and said, "Look, this thing exists. Not a lot of people know about it." And uh, Gerard Christopher came on. We all thought, you know, let's just see what happens. I know a lot about the show. I'd love to talk to him about it. You know, that's our highest rated episode ever. That is Kingdom. crazy. Like, by by a vast amount. That of is it, that when I saw the numbers, I was ever. like, 
Jesus, what is you know? Insane. Yeah. There is a huge, there is a huge fan base of Superboy out there that are, are starved of no content. I'd say. So I, I, I can't wait to have him back on. I'm like, there's plenty of other Superboy stuff. I can yeah, we'll get him on. We, we could. I would think we could do a commentary or something like that. You, you know, we we could have. Yeah. We have. Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's a lot of stuff. I, I, I want to just. There's a couple of people that I think have really like. I just want to shout out to Zach Moore. Like every single episode we put out, he retweets. He has an he has an enormous following that he's amassed over years. He should not be listening to our show. He has better things to be doing, but he always takes the time to send us a message about you know how much he enjoys this or that or even stuff that he doesn't really know a lot about. He's always like, oh, I found that really really interesting. And he couldn't I be like that and- if you think Zach sounds like a nice guy when you're listening to him on the podcast he is 10 times as nice in real life he is just so supportive so kind with his time and just yeah. he's an all-around super guy yeah and and there's loads of people we you know we've really engaged with the the Facebook group this year and the the, the Twitter and everything else there's loads of people uh, I know um Paul Martin listens to all of our episodes he's really friendly on the show um who else? There's Daniela. Daniela Rod has listened a lot. She appeared Daniela in her, her Lois and Clark episode. Yeah, such a delight to have Daniela on. Uh, there, there's so many people who are just engaging with the show now, and it's just so lovely. Um, that, that you know, so please keep in touch. Uh, let us know what you think. It's great to hear from you. Yeah, and I just want to say I really enjoyed our comic book uh, uh, themed episodes when we did. You know, for the for the man who was everything, we did Up in the Sky, we did Superman Red and Blue. Um, I really enjoyed our Bibbles B movie this year, uh, Masters of the Universe with Martin Lakin. That was a lot of fun for me personally, um, being such a huge Masters of the Universe um fan myself. Um, so yeah, it's 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 just it's the gift that keeps on giving, and we get so much enjoyment out of it. And you know, people who are sending emails into the Metropolis mailbag, uh, with you know, sometimes people just send in messages to us, and they're like, "Look, this isn't to be read out. It's just you know, a message of appreciation for everything you do." Um, and it does it really does mean the world to us. We really really do appreciate everything, and you know, we have a lot more great stuff to come in twenty twenty four. It's hard to believe we're going into our fourth year. Is that right? I, I think it's it's our third year on the air, but we are tech. Yeah, so fourth year sounds right. Yeah, I think I yeah, because we started around March, I think, um, of twenty one. So yeah, it's 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 just been superb. Any kind of any big ideas for twenty twenty four things you'd like to to cover? We 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 said it last year, and I'm determined that we are going to do it this year. Superman the musical. I want to talk about Superman, that. Superman the music. Sorry, that was that was my. I know it was. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I definitely want to do Superman the musical. Um, I, I I really want to do a lot more kind of comic stuff as well. I, I like I I feel you know we've done a great job of kind of highlighting, and you've said this as well. We've done a great job of highlighting Superman TV shows and movies. It'd be great to kind of get into comics and not just kind of classic comics, also more recent mm-hmm. comics. I've talked about the War World saga. A lot. Yeah, I'd like to cover really, that really as well. Like yeah, there's, there, there's a lot of kind of obscure sort of comic stuff I'd like to talk about. Um, the musical is is a big one for me. Just the 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 Broadway musical, the TV version of it, and the revivals of it. Uh, I, I really, really want to get into that. And uh, yeah, there's just loads of just still nooks and crannies of Superman. 
that I can't wait to get into. Yeah, uh, Fleischer is, is another one for me. I really want to talk about the, the old Fleischer um, um, cartoons. Um, I'm hoping to get someone like maybe Michael Bailey or, or, or someone back on to, to, to chat about that. And we'd love if uh, people send us in suggestions even for in, into allstarsuperpod at gmail.com of uh, things you'd like us to cover, books you'd like us to cover, episodes of TV shows you'd like us to cover, even guests you'd like us to try and get on. Um that that'd be great you know we you know the show at the end of the day is not for us it's it's for listeners um and we want to provide the content that listeners want to listen to oh yep and sorry sorry to interrupt uh steve Eunice is going to be on the show in 2024 he reached out to us we were so honored that he reached out to us we were going to have him on and we were both completely overworked yeah, to just could not get to in front of the mic yeah it was crazy could not make it work but we are going to have him on and i'm so delighted because he is one of the most interesting superman fans on planet earth as far as i'm concerned yeah yeah no i i can't wait to talk to steve it's 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 it's, it's going to be great and rob again i just want to thank you personally as well for um all the work you do the social uh, posters are all your like the, the work you put into those posters they look amazing you do 90 percent of all the heavy lifting in terms of the editing here the show notes uh you really keep the ship going and especially the last few months when i was involved in um in that big trial here i just really want to thank you for um shouldering the burden for so long it really really uh really meant a lot to to, to for you to do to, to to take all that on i know you were super busy yourself so um just thanks so much pal well thank you very much i really enjoy doing this and i i, I it's it, it it's it's like a great kind of uh it, it it's like being able to just kind of oh, what you what how you'd even describe it it's like being able to just finally get all of this off your chest (laughs) because these these are things that you carry around with you all the time like people we 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 do obsess over superman we obsess over all these characters and you have all these thoughts and you want to express them in a way and being able to do this is is finally being able to express this in in a semi-creative way that doesn't feel kind of toxic or or you know infantile or something it feels like we're really creating something and i really really like i often feel in my real life i often feel like that um that gif of john travolta from pulp fiction where you know he i want to talk about superman and stuff with people but i'm looking around and you know i i I don't know anybody who wants to talk about it uh so so this is great and the friendship if if nothing else the friendships we've made have just been incredible like whether it's matt or zach or lance or daniela or all these people that we've met Stuart, you know all these people that's what makes it all incredible and you know meaningful for me it's just all these people we've met and all these and i almost forgot to say one of the highlights this year was meeting up in person to go and see superman the movie in concert and meeting paul meeting paul there that was a lot of fun paul and paul is who i would describe as like a legendary fan like he's been doing that batman movie online website for decades now and i was on that website as a kid and getting to meet him just casually and you know watch superman the movie with him with a live orchestra that was it, it was an incredible incredible night so you know stu- stuff like that has just really made this magic for me and the next time we record rob i will be in a different setting uh so hopefully in a in a in a nicer setting i'm moving ho- i'm moving house in two days time finally after talking about it for three years in the podcast it's actually happening um so and you will be in new digs shortly enough yourself next year will yeah we're are, we're we're currently making them hospitable at the moment <laughs> so yeah hopefully i'll, I'll be uh 
Hopefully it'll be somewhere between Santa's workshop and the Fortress of Salt. <laughs> um, and folks, just to, to everybody listening again, I, you know, just for on behalf of both of us, I just want to wish everybody a, a very Merry Christmas. Um, I hope you all get what you're hoping for, what you ask Santa Claus for. Um, I hope that we have provided you all with some friendship and some comfort over the last 12 years um, to tackle whatever you're dealing with in your own lives. Um, we thoroughly graciously thank you for uh you know there's so much content content out there that you have chosen um to to stick with us and uh, join us on these uh on these on, on these episodes and listen to what we have to say two guys from ireland in their 30s talking shit about superman and we hope that it brought you some smiles and some laughs along the way and uh you know if anybody's going through a hard time or anything over the christmas period and you want to reach out to us send us a message um you know email us uh we're there for you if you know um i'd like to think that we've we've cultivated a, a nice little following here of of friends and and you know family so you know thank you so much uh, rob do you want to take us out uh, once again we'd like to remind you you can like us on facebook and instagram at all star super fan you can follow us on twitter or x at all star super pod please do get in touch by email at all star super pod at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts and feelings and voice notes on all of the incredible North Pole architecture discussed on tonight's episode. Uh, and folks, uh, don't forget to uh, listen to the very end when we will play some messages from those lovely people who we just spoke about um, who want to pass on their Merry Christmas wishes to you all. Everybody, stay safe, stay super. See you next year. Bye-bye. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Santa Claus. Hey, Alan and Rob, this is Paul Rogers from Spiderman77.com and BatmanOnline.com. I just want to thank you for another amazing year of podcasts. They've definitely helped me grow my wider appreciation of Superman. I just want to wish you and my fellow listeners a very happy Christmas, a merry holiday, and an absolutely super new year. A new year that I hope is filled with lots more of your brilliant interviews, insightful analysis, and all-around great crack. I look forward to spending... Another evening in Dublin with you guys. First drinks on me, let me get my hat. Hello everyone, it's Jim Bowers from CapedWonder.com and I am so excited about the 45th anniversary of Superman the movie this month. I am definitely going to be experiencing that wonderful film again this December 15th. I remember back when I was 17 years old being absolutely mesmerized in the theater by this film. You know, we've been having some great super experiences this year with so many nostalgic goodies coming out like a comic book series, action figures, Superman in concert next year at the Walt Disney Concert Hall in Los Angeles. Just so many things to look forward to and I know 2024 is going to be another super duper fun year. Hey, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and I hope you get to spend some great, great times with your family and friends. Stay super. Hi folks and Superman fans out there. I'm Danielle Rod, and I'd like to reach out with this little Christmas message. To me, the first thing I associate with Superman is hope. And Christmas is a time of hope and a time filled with warm and fuzzy feelings which I'm sure Lois and Clark fans know exactly what I'm hinting at. Lois and Clark's season 4 Christmas episode has a great story of exactly this. 
hope. It starts out with Mixius Pitalik trapping Metropolis in a time loop and therefore making people lose all hope. Also, Lois is having trouble seeing the magic of Christmas and she wishes she could see it through Clark's eyes, who loves Christmas. It's an episode where Superman doesn't need to use any special powers other than his ability to inspire people to be full of hope for a better tomorrow. And in the end of the episode, when everything has changed back for the better, Lois can finally see the magic of Christmas through Clark's eyes. So my wish for you this Christmas, may we all be able to see it. Lots of love and Merry Christmas. Stay safe and stay super. Greetings, all-star super fans. Stuart from the Am Why Not podcast here. I uh, just want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I hope you don't get caught in any hope deteriorating infinite time loops on Christmas Eve. It's happened once in the 90s and, you know, they got through it. So hopefully you can too if you are. Yeah, uh, I just want to thank Rob and Alan for having me on their podcast and for both of them being a part of my Summer of Superman specials that I did this year in the summer. Here's to another awesome year of All-Star Superfan and awesome Superman goodness. Hello, All-Star Superfans. This is Craig Byrne from Krypton Site. I want to thank Alan and Rob for having me on the podcast this year and wish everyone a happy and safe Christmas and New Year and whatever holiday you may spend. Um... You know, ribbons and wreaths and Santas and elves and you must love Christmas, all that good stuff. So thank you and have a great time. Hi, this is Neil Rickardson at 1995Batman.com wishing everyone listening to the All-Star Superfan podcast a very Merry Christmas. Uh, best wishes to Alan and Rob for presenting such a great lineup of shows this year and look forward to what you guys have in 2024. See ya! Hey, Rob and Alan. It's Michael Bailey from the Fortress of Bailey Dude Podcasting Network chiming in to say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Yule, Happy Christmas, whatever holiday you celebrate this time of year. I hope that you all are having a fantastic holiday season. And I wanted to thank Rob and Alan for another great year of podcasting guys have really knocked it out of the park again this year and i know that next year is going to be just as good so take it easy guys and uh thanks for all the shows well ho 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 metropolis this is matt Trubex of lois and clark to the new podcast of superman and always hold on to dc's legends of tomorrow and always hold on to dc's lois and clark to the new podcast of superman of tomorrow wishing you a very happy holiday uh i hope everyone is uh, having a season full of greetings uh gentlemen you continue to kill it with the podcast you somehow make talking about an 80 plus year old character that's done it all and seen it all feel new and relevant and find new angles on it which as um <laughs> certainly any superman podcaster but probably any superman writer would tell you is not the easiest thing in the world uh and you continue to attract uh, the types of guests that make me uh jealous and wish i'd give up but instead i have your wonderful podcast to listen to so thank you for that and happy holidays to you guys and a happy holidays to everyone listening. Merry Miximus to us all.